My name is Philip Carr, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because science. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by the generous donations of Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, B. Witzel, Andy Bethel, Darren Hampton, Trevor Hill, and William Sullivan, as well as lots of viewers and listeners like you. Broadcast live, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Wayne Basta, author of the Aristia series of novels. up gamer nation gm chris here and for those who may be tuning in for the first time welcome your little derriers here to the order 66 podcast the original podcast entirely devoted to star wars role-playing and i'm joined tonight by one of my co-hosts the other of which is indisposed spending time with his daughter family but uh she got dude so yeah dave's daughter got awarded mvp of her game today Sweet. Yeah, they had a really good day. So they're, um, <clears throat> so all that excitement that is college soccer. Um, so good on her. Big props to her, and, yeah. and and big props to you, GM Phil, my other co-host. Uh, dude, you had an interesting weekend. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Welcome to the Order sixty six podcast, folks. Daring to be stupid since two thousand seven. <laughs> Yeah, um, one of the main, one of the really big advantages of being a member of the Five O First Legion is occasionally you get a phone call from the people who who help out Weird Al Yankovic on tour, and uh, Weird Al does this song that's a parody of American Pie called um, "The Saga Begins," and he likes to have Darth Vader and a bunch of stormtroopers up on stage behind him as he sings the song. So a lot of us get to go on stage with Weird Al Yankovic over the past few years, and. Uh, Friday night, I got to be on stage with him for my fourth time. Dude, you get some great pictures you posted up on Facebook, too. Uh, I, 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 I was hoping that we would be able to get uh, uh, like a, a the, uh, one-on-one meet and greet, and we did after everything, because um, after Al's show, he does a fan meet and greet, too, and a bunch of people come through, a bunch of VIP guests and other stuff like that. And after, after, after the show... Al is gracious enough to, to hang out with us for a few minutes, get a full, quick photo with him, and uh, and sign a couple things if we've got it. And, and then he's off to his trailer, because by then it's like 11 o'clock. <laughs> and he's been up and on stage since 8. Okay, that um, that's that's the nerdiest, cutest thing I've ever heard. What? <laughs> that he's dead after three hours. Uh, well, he's if you haven't seen Al's show, he's <clears throat> insane. Oh, I know, I know, but I've been to, like, the last concert I went to was pretty insane, and they came on at 9 and didn't leave till 2. <laughs> well, this is true, this is true. I, I, the reason why, you know, Al doesn't go on until 8 o'clock, and then that's because he, 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 he got a lot of kids to the shows, too. 
Oh, so a lot of generational stuff. So it's a lot that. of just yeah. the parents and their children. So it's not like it's a hardcore rock show. Yeah, that makes no, sense. not exactly, not exactly. Yeah, that makes okay. I retract my snarky comment. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I get. I totally get where you're coming from, though. Oh my god, eleven o'clock. <laughs> but it was up in um, Lake Winnipesaukee, which is a, a giant um, vacationing area in the dead center of New Hampshire. And I live way down by the border of Massachusetts, so I had like a two-hour drive to get home. <laughs> so, and, and I'm just driving home after this because after I you know do do a full day of work, go up to Weird Al, dance around on stage in my stormtrooper outfit, stay up you know, armored up for another hour after the show, and then I hop in my car and then I have to drive home through road you know fighting road hypnosis the whole way. Yeah, I'm well familiar with that. <laughs> um, oh, and IS destroyers in chat saying Chris, he's over fifty. Kevin. Yeah, Metallica's over 50, all right? Uh, dude, I just I saw the Stones not too long ago. You want to talk about old, and they put on a four-and-a-half-hour show. <laughs> and you should see Mick move across that stage, man. It's crazy. Um, <clears throat> Keith Richards, though, died in 1978. Um, they used voodoo magic to keep him animated. It's the only explanation I have. That's why he just yeah. stand, stands there and stares at the bass while he plays. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's been a fun weekend thus far. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm envious. It sounds like you had a blast. You're gonna have to share those uh, picks on D20 Radio. I I will have to. I will have to, dude. Well, we have a fun show that hopefully will cap off this awesome, awesomely long Labor Day weekend. Um, Damn right. You want to get into it? Let's let's get to some announcements. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements, announcements. Do we have a featured podcast this week? We do. Uh, One of our favorite geek variety shows is back as the rebooted Real Basement Dwellers recently dropped their fourth new episode, Betrayal in the House of Nintendo. Draconis and the pseudonym return with special guest hosts Wheel Lord and... Uh, pe- uh, Pet Pluto, as they tackle the latest in the DC television universe, the return of Bill Nye the Science Guy on Netflix, Nintendo's penchant for shutting down awesome fan projects, and a huge look at Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Meaty, fun, and an awesome episode, guys. You can find that and many other great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. What about FFG news, man? We got kind of a slim couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, not really anything for the uh, the the role playing game, other than the official announcement that um, uh, Forge and Battle has released, and we'll talk about that very briefly towards the end of the show. Oh yeah. Uh, but in other news, it also anyone who remembers last year, uh, this weekend or rather this Friday, was the um, what would you call it? The fan f- the the Force Friday. Yeah, Force Friday. Yeah. Yeah, Force Friday, where they released like all the books and news and toys for Star Wars Force Awakens. Well, they kind of did it again this past Friday as well, except all about the Rogue One. They announced like a bunch of Lego kits and previews of all like some of the toys that are going to be coming out. And Fantasy Flight Games announced that um, two more ships are being added to Wave 10. Now, they previewed Wave 10 at Gen Con. There were only three ships, which, ships, which was a little odd. Uh, and now we found out why. It's because the other two ships in the wave are the U-Wing Transport 
and the new TIE fighter, the TIE striker. So they couldn't release them yet or preview them yet. Yeah, pretty much. Most likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the U-Wing transport looks absolutely awesome. Um, and actually, the preview of this told us something about the U-Wing that we really hadn't seen anywhere, at least as far as I could tell. The fact that those forward aileron wings can actually swing back to form like more traditional maneuvering wings. See, everyone thinks this is a fighter. I don't think it is. I think it's much bigger no. than that. It's a transport. Oh, it's absolutely a transport. You look yeah. in the cockpit, there's two of them side. There's two pilot, pilot co-pilot side by side. There's um, a underslung um, land, a troop bay. This is a, this is a big ship. You know, not, maybe not like Millennium Falcon big, but it's definitely a lot bigger than any standard fighter in the in the Alliance. So yeah. U-wing fighter is sort of probably a misnomer there. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, the other fighter that's coming out, this one for the Empire, is the TIE Striker. It's the first new cannon TIE design since the TIE Interceptor. I say cannon because, as many people will argue, everything that came out after uh, after Return of the Jedi hasn't been official now. It's now legendary stuff. And I don't really consider the new uh, First Order TIE Fighter to be any different than the normal TIE Fighter. It doesn't look any different. All that's different are the internals. Um, you know, better stuff, second seat in the back, gunner seat, that sort of thing. Rear cannons? This is a b- yeah, exactly. This is a brand new TIE design. It looks like they took uh, some of the wings from TIE Interceptors and strapped it to the cockpit module of a bomber. And it looks pretty badass. It does look badass. The picture's pretty cool. So... But you can find that right now at uh, www.fantasyflightgames.com and uh, add that to your X-Wing fleets a little bit later this year. Oh, I can't wait for the articles on d20radio.com about it. Because mm. uh, I'm sure Wayne has got some, some squads lined up. Um, Probably. And speaking of, while you guys are surfing about, be sure to head over to the only gaming blog with a permanent tab at Maz Kanata's Cantina, d20radio.com. The best and most brilliant gaming minds continue to bring you stellar articles, stats, and reviews. Um, we had a great week this past week. Um, lots of great articles. It was very hard for me to pick um, stuff to talk about. Uh, like Ben Erickson, he gave us a, a new pre-gen character for 7C. Uh, you know, 7C got relaunched, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Wayne Basta continued his absolutely brilliant Obligometer series, which you all should read if you're not, uh, with a wonderful deep dive into the duty-bound obligation. Chris Hunt brought us an incredibly amazing and lengthy interview with the legendary Sterling Hershey, all about running and designing amazing Star Wars games. And on Friday, um, very proud, we debuted a brand new writer um, and an amazing new article series uh, called The GM Awakens. Uh, Scott Alden's new series following the trials, tribulations, successes, and failures of a fairly inexperienced GM who has recently picked up the hobby after a very long time away from it. Um, his first article in the series, Getting new, Young New Players into RPGs, is a really heartfelt look at his time away, the decision to come back, and his journey to bring brand new people into the game. It's just superb stuff, Scott. I, I can't wait to read more, and you all should too. So you guys can find all this right now and tons more excellent content daily over at d20radio.com. And while you're there, on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see a couple links. One will take you to our forums at d20radio.com slash forums. It's a big button. Um, another will take you to our Patreon. Uh, you can head there that way, or, of course, just go to patreon.com slash d20radio. If you like this podcast 
and the content we produce, as well as the network and the other fine content all of our podcasts produce, and the blog, and you want to help us just keep the servers on, <laughs> just a couple dollars a month, uh, we'll show your support uh, for this effort, which is greatly appreciated. And as we like to say, we'll continue to keep our authors paid for the content they write. And that is extremely important to us. And what? Social media? Absolutely. Stay in the know by following D20 Radio on the Facebooks for news and podcast info on a daily basis. And of course, you can also follow all of us on Twitter at D20 Radio. We post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. Woohoo! Well, guys, now it's time to check in with SWRPG Adventures and the most informative 140 characters or less on the internet with SWRPG's Adventure of the Week. And we'll see you on the other side in about one minute. Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. A crime lord opens up his operation to five lucky ticket holders, ostensibly to find a successor. But his number two plans to take out the competition. This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures. For more adventure ideas in 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring! Dude, a crime lord opens up his operation to five lucky ticket winners, ostensibly to find a successor, but his number two wants to secretly take out the competition. That's like an evil Willy Wonka. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. Timely, too. Oh, sadly, yeah. Yeah. Um, sadly, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which but... means I now really just want to run a Star Wars version of Blazing Saddles. <laughs> it could totally work. Um, <laughs> oh. it could totally... Someone go back and get an S-load of credits! <laughs> oh wow i haven't seen that in far too long um dude so i am excited very excited about the meat of our show man um yeah yeah this 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 is a new this is a new one for us it is let's 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 dive right in let's go Well, Phil, our wonderful Gamer Nation um, is nothing if not strongly opinionated. Yes. And that powerful push to explore every facet of this amazing Star Wars RPG on the Order 66 podcast is is very strong. And uh, one of the recent very strong requests um, on the Order 66 podcast Facebook page was to really explore force powers, uh, but beyond the academic I mean, actually getting into examples of how force powers are used, how they play out in the game. And, you know, we at the show, guys, we, we thought this was a fantastic idea. And, and we have decided to roll out an entirely new show segment devoted to it, which we will be debuting on this very episode shortly. Mm. Um, but we still felt it appropriate um, and necessary to devote some very serious meat of the show time to talking about force powers in a more generalized sense, you know, discussing some shared features and mechanics for how, how all force powers are used, 
uh, before we really dug into that very first of hopefully many to come uh, segments on that. And do we, we're, we're, I think we're calling this segment, The Force Will Be With You, I, I believe? I believe so, yes. Oh, okay, I think that's what we, what we ended up on. Um, so this is what we're getting into tonight. So some new territory for us, guys. We're really excited about it. So straighten those Jedi robes, Gamer Nation. Unlock those holocrons. Is it hol- holocrons? Hol- holocry? Is it what's the, the plural? I... Yeah, I think it's holocrons. Holocron. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm being facetious. Yeah. I know it's holocrons. I'm just saying, Phil. God, <laughs> stay with it. I am. Conversation. Conversation. And close your eyes in deep meditation as we unlock the power of force powers tonight on your Order 66 podcast. Oh, okay. So before we get into, and, and, and the plan, guys, is that we're, I mean, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, we're going to devote this new segment, The Force Will Be With You, when we redo it, to a single force power, right? Yep. Yep. We're going to deep dive into a single power, what you can do with it, what you really can't do with it, what its limitations are, and <laughs> as as odd as the sound, how unlimited the power is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Before we get to that, though, uh, we thought it was really important to spend a, a good portion of the meat of tonight's show talking about some really some basics around force powers. Yeah, because it can be a little bit of a difference, especially if you're used to any of the previous iterations of the game. Mm-hmm. Extremely. There's a lot that's different. Well, okay, so talk to me about that, because, I mean, understanding force powers in this system is, well, it, it's very different. Yeah. Um and, and really, it kind of starts out with this, folks. Uh, force sensitives can express their connection to the force in a lot of ways. Uh, you've got talents that provide a passive connection and somewhat in limited use of an active connection. But let's face it, active use of the flashiest, most hollow-worthy aspects of the force are done by using the force powers themselves. Right. Uh, to start off, unlike other previous Star Wars systems, Fantasy Flight Games throws open the door on Force powers, losing many of the restrictions that seasoned Star Wars role players are used to, and adding new ones that they aren't. Mm, okay. So let's start with that. Uh, first aspect that needs to be kept in mind is that access is unlimited, but hardly guaranteed. Explain. Okay. This is something that new players often have a really hard time grasping, especially when planning or building their characters. When you learn a Force power, you can attempt it as often as you freaking want. There's no once-per-encounter, once-per-session limitations at all. You don't have to spend strain or life force to power it, all of which was done in prior systems. You can do it as often as you want. The counter to that is, is that it's not easy to accomplish. <laughs> right. Um, especially at the early stages of your career, you might fail two-thirds of the time. Um, and this is as it should be. You know, you're, you're learning the force. It's not easy to pick up a car and hit someone with it. Right. It's not easy to convince those five stormtroopers that these aren't the droids you're looking for. That's advanced stuff. You're, you're learning the basics. But it can be damnably frustrating for new players with different expectations, such as the previous system where you can start off the game, you've got three force, you can, you can start off with three or four even force powers right out of the gate that you can do really, really well. Really well, uh, yeah. And it, it's, it, it's a big expectational shift. Now, the other, the other big expectational shift that you've got to understand with force powers in this system is that they're broad. Mm-hmm. I mean, prior Star Wars games had distinct 
powers for moving something, disarming something, stunning someone, force choking someone, seeing the future, seeing the present, stopping a blaster bolt with your hand, dodging out of the way of that blaster bolt, uh, healing someone, uh, healing yourself, <laughs> shooting lightning at someone, blasting dark force energy at someone, etc., 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 etc. In FFG system, all of the things I just mentioned are literally handled by what? Five powers? Four powers? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, just, just a few very broad powers. Now, there's a lot of powers in this system, um, yeah. even more so as more books start to come out for Force and Destiny, but they're very broad. Right. And, right. and what you got to understand is that when you buy into this power, you get a very basic use of it. And then as you continue to invest in it, you unlock more and more things you can do with it and, and the way in which you can use it in, in, in an even broader sense. So, I mean, I think <clears throat> whenever I've, I've brought new, brand new players into the system, Phil, yeah. and, and they're seasoned Star Wars players especially, uh, but they've never really uh, played this system before, and thus they want to make it uh, a Force user or a Jedi, uh, this is some of the biggest stumbling blocks they have are the things we just mentioned. I mean, we had a, we had a, a listener question uh, a while back uh, where it was a guy asking about, there was a, a female gamer in his group who couldn't do anything because she'd basically maxed out move, but she only had like a force rating of one or two. So she could, yeah. ne- she could never roll enough points to activate everything. <laughs> and we, and our solution was like, well, let her retrain. But that's, that's the classic example of a new player used to doing things in the old way, not right. understanding that you can't min max this. You really can't. You have to build up to that level of efficacy. Right. Uh, with your, with your force power usage. So. Which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. That was Especially Huli. given yeah. the era. Especially yeah. given the era. Especially given the era. That was Huli. That was Huli who, who called, who had that question. Yes, it was. Um, so, you know, and it, it's, and that, that's really, that's really what it comes down to. And so a lot of, a lot of force using players will often get hung up on that and you just need a little bit of an expectational reset. Right. Um, so, okay. And then I'll dial it back with force rating, force dice, and force pips. Um, the fact that your strength in the Force is represented by your Force rating. And if you start with a Force and Destiny career, or a non-Force and Destiny career, and then cross back into Force-sensitive exile or Force-sensitive emergent, then you gain a Force rating of 1. Right. Now, once you gain this Force rating of 1, the only way to increase that Force rating after that is to take the Force rating talent. Period. Uh, when you use a Force power, you can roll up to your available force rating in force dice in order to get force points, the light and dark pips on said dice. Right. Now, for most force users, you want light side points, the white ones. They are, to- they are what you are able to use to activate your powers, unless your morality is below 30, and in which case you want the black dark side points like light side points, and vice versa. Now, activating most uses of a force power requires force points. You can use dark side points as light side points, but you suffer strain for each point you use this way, and you gain an equal amount of conflict and flip a destiny point from light to dark. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I should clarify that a little bit. It's not that you're using the dark side points as light side points. Yeah, you're um, you're just using them as force points. As force points, yes, yes, that's a better way to say it. Yeah. Uh, this is why dark side is so tempting for a low-powered force user. As we said, it's hard to activate a force power with a low force rating. Unless you're willing to accept a little conflict and then reliably activate your powers. <laughs> and you know what? It's just a couple conflicts. Unless you're my younger brother Andrew in my game, in which case, if you want to do anything with move, you'll just accept the fact that your dice are going to give you three to four dark side points, even though your force rating is three. <laughs> 
This is the angriest Ewok shaman ever. <clears throat> evil, evil dark side Ewok shaman. That's um. He, he's not. He's not trying to be evil. He just dice or don't want him to. Anakin wasn't trying to be evil either. You know, I'm just. True. I'm, True. Just, I'm just. That's how the dark side works. <laughs> You're not trying. It just happens because you, you know you. Oh no! I've got to. I've got to fire that power off. I can't let it fail. Size matters not. I'll show you how size matters, you son of a... <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, that's that's force points. Okay. Now, the other side of that, though, is committing force dice. Yes. Now, here's where things get interesting and can really affect your force rating. Yeah. So, go into let's go into that. Well, okay. Like, some powers have another way to activate them without rolling force dice. Now, only a handful really have commit effects, but they're potent. Um, sense being the biggest noticeable one, you know? Yup. Um, basically, you can commit one or more of your available force dice uh, for some powers to receive, uh, for lack of a better term, an ongoing effect. Um, the kicker is that any committed dice are going to reduce your available force rating pool while they are committed. So if you have a force rating of three and you commit a die, you're only ever going to roll two force dice on a force power check as long as you keep that other ongoing effect occurring with your committed die. Right. Um, now, this is interesting, and we've had some questions about this in the past. How long can you commit a force die? Um, well, there's a lot of house rules on this, but the real rules are not what, what I think people expect. Yeah, um, there aren't any raw thing. There is nothing in raw that says how long you are limited by committing that die. Yeah. Yeah. It can be reasonably, it could be committed for encounters, sessions. There's actually a sidebar that talks about this in Force and Destiny. Um, I mean, ah, okay. I mean, that th th that they pretty much say like you, you can players can commit dice between encounters between sessions. Um, you know, potentially even having a die like like permanently committed. Um, right. But that same sidebar talks about in those rules what to do if the GM feels the players are abusing this. <laughs> Um, because those rules say it's very clear that, that that ability to commit things like in perpetuity is really up to the GM. Um, you know, and the GM thus may decide not to allow a power to have a committed die, maybe beyond the current encounter. Or the, the best recommendation the sidebar recommends that I really love, uh, this is the one I use in my games, um, uh, limit, the, uh, limit this by imposing an inability to naturally recover strain while you have a committed force die. Any strain? And, well, naturally. Na ah, so like end of encounter roll. End, end of encounter roll to recover strain. Okay. Um, because, because you know, your, your mind and your energy and your spirit is so preoccupied maintaining that ability, you can't pause to rest. Yeah, I can dig that. Like you, dig you're that. you're in a constant state of, of of at least mild or subtle concentration. Um, I highly highly recommend that. But I mean, if you're talking about rules as written, you're right, man. You can commit a die forever if you want. Um, <laughs> your GM has the authority in not just in in soft rules, but in the hard rules in the book to smack you down if they don't like it. But it's there, right? Um, so yeah. Um, so what? Okay, so that's so. That's how your force rating and force points play into the activation of powers. And obviously you can commit a, a die. What about activating the power itself? I mean, is it, is it like attack? Is it, is, it a, is it a maneuver? Is it an action? Okay. Unless it is implicitly stated, and usually due to a upgrade that you have purchased for that force power. Correct. 
activating any force power requires an action. Whether that's rolling the die in the heat of battle to use the power directly, or committing a force die for an ongoing benefit. And it has been clarified that yes, it takes an action to commit a force dice to a power as well. Gotcha. Now, sometimes, as noted by the power, an action to activate a power requires more than just rolling force dice. Sometimes it also requires rolling an appropriate skill check. And sometimes the exact type of check is physically called out in the power's description. But sometimes it's up to the player and the GM to determine what the best, uh, what type of skill is used. And I love this. There's actually an awesome sidebar about this. It's actually in, uh, talking about our, our next, um, our, our next point uh, for, yep. for the mechanics here, and that's resisting a force power, and that that right. GM determined skill comes into it. See, like the other thing too with considering about force powers, and this is another huge break from from the system prior systems. There's no like to compare it to the last D twenty system. There's no like rebuke power. You know, there's not some skill you have to learn to reflect a force power back on somebody. Right. Uh, or 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 resi- or just just ignore it. Like what what what's the to to put it into D&D terms, the counter spell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um I, like in this system and there's a huge sidebar on this um in Force and Destiny. The nice thing about most force powers is, is that they just happen. But there are times when nearly any force power that targets an individual can be resisted. Yeah. Um, and w- when that occurs, the force user who's performing the force power rolls an opposed check along with their force dice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they talk about how discipline is typically the standard kind of go-to skill choice uh, for the attacker's check and the target's opposed skill to set the difficulty. Yeah. But challenge I mean, of wills sort of thing. Ch- exactly, that, that classic challenge of wills. Um, but sometimes, and they really get into this, the GM and the player might decide on a more appropriate set of skills. And there's some great examples that we have um, that I know I've used in some of my games. Um, uh, a character using Seek uh, might attack, uh, may make the power, and their their role might be Vigilance um, versus the target's Stealth. Um, mm. Or Perception versus the target's Stealth. I've, I've done both of those. They both make sense. Absolutely. Um, a character who's using the influence power might also uh, have a skill check they need to make uh, with a charm or deception um, versus the target's discipline or cool to set the difficulty. So it's pretty fluid what you might be rolling for this. So Absolutely. just cranking up discipline might not be the only thing you need to be concerned with for, for if you're playing like a force wizard type. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when should the GM require a force power to have a skill check with it when it's not otherwise implied or stated in the power because some powers obviously say as you said you have to roll a skill check with it right um you know there's a couple times that are very specific that the gm should always require this to be a resistible force power yeah uh the first of which being is if the power is targeting a pc in that case it's always opposed always opposed it's always going to be an opposed check okay um, second one is if it targets the equivalent NPC, a nemesis, mm. or even a plot-critical named rival. Okay. Um, that is also an opposed check. It should be. Yeah, should be. Okay, okay. Um, and I don't think enough GMs re- remember this or recall it. <laughs> Either way, I mean, there are some there are some GMs who are like, oh, post check versus everything, um, yeah. all the way down to like minion groups, you know. That's yeah, ridiculous. But look, even 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 a typical rival, even a lo- boss's lieutenant, if he's just you know kind of there as a challenge, he's just a lieutenant. 
you might use a force power against that guy that doesn't require a check because he's quote unquote not plot critical. Yeah, he's it, it, like, does he have a name? Does it make sense? Is he, is he gonna show up again? <laughs> if, right. he, if he ain't gonna show up again, he's not plot critical. Why? Why is this irresistible? I yeah, I, I yeah. Take okay. him out. Take him out. Take him out. There you go. Okay. Well, the last thing I really wanted to cover. Um, in this general section, uh, maybe you can help me out with this, is really kind of a breakdown of the force power archetype, the structure of the force power itself. Sure. Uh, let's start with... Uh, okay, so let's start with the structure of the, the trees themselves. Um, force powers function very similar to talent trees. You buy into the basic force power up at the very top of the tree, and then you buy down into various upgrades to unlock new and more powerful uses for that power, usually at the cost of spending more force points from your roll to activate them. Now, there are several times, uh, types of upgrades, each unique to the power in question, with different XP costs and individualized benefits. There's sometimes multiple versions of the same upgrade available, too, like a ranked talent often letting you increase their effect for a single activation. And we, and they're they're typed like we have different types of 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 up these upgrades and they have more or less the same focus benefit across any power. Right. So what's the first couple? Well, we got strength, um, which amplifies the basic effect of the power, uh, just making it more potent. Um, and then there's magnitude, not to be confused with magnitude, which increases the number of targets you can affect with the power. Typically, you can only affect one target with a base power, usually. Right. Uh, then, then the next one we've got is duration, which usually increases the length of time for the power's effects, uh, followed by range, which upgrades the distance from which the power can affect targets. Right. And then we have control uh, upgrades and then mastery upgrades. Control upgrades, what would you say? It's like it's almost like the wild card. It's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. While all of those upgrade kind of the qualities of the power, control upgrades tend to qual- uh, tend to upgrade what you can do with the power. Like new and exciting effects, basically. Yeah. Okay. And mastery really falls into the same category. This is a new upgrade type that we was really only added with the Force and Destiny line. Is the only place we've seen it in that line. Mm-hmm. It's powers. Um, but it, it again is is like new and exciting things to do with the with the power. But we're talking crazy powerful stuff to do with the power. Uh, possibly towards the realm of unleashed level. Bum bum bum. So yeah, uh, wink wink, a nudge nudge. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean that's that's it. And and what's interesting too is like when you talk, especially when you have the multiple instances of strength upgrades. Or, or magnitude, or duration, or range upgrades, those first four, as you put it, qu- quantitative uh, upgrades, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, you'll often see in powers, like, as we said, as you said, multiple instances of the same one. And what I find really refreshing and interesting about this system is how they sort of exponentially build on each other. Because unless it's otherwise stated, and it rarely is, you can, so usually to activate an upgrade, you have to spend an extra force pip, right? An extra force point. Yep, but you can activate upgrades unless otherwise stated, and it rarely is multiple times. So if I have one magnitude upgrade, I can spend an extra force point to affect an extra target, or I can spend an extra three force points to affect an extra three targets. Yeah, or I can buy lots of magnitude upgrades, and they all apply to one force point spent. So if I have three magnitude upgrades. I can spend one force point to affect three targets. 
Right. I can spend two force points to affect six targets and, and so on and so forth. And so there's a lot of really interesting customization you can do. And even a low powered force user with a force rating of one or two, if they roll well and they double or triple up on like upgrades, so all magnitude or all duration, you can accomplish some pretty boss stuff with just a couple force points. And I don't think a lot of players realize that. Their their, their brain goes, oh, I need magnitude and duration and range. And, you know, when, you know, you have to realize it takes a separate force point to activate each one of those when you roll. Um, But if you want to be wicked awesome in at least a certain area as an inexperienced force user man, you can double and triple up on a single type of upgrade as long as it's the same upgrade multiple times. And you can have a lot of strong effect. So This leads to some really interesting um, sort of not quite min-maxing, but build theories of when you're looking at a character. You sort of look there and go, okay, for a certain force power, if I want to be really good at it, should I dive into getting a lot of these multiple upgrades and spend a bunch of XP that way? Or do I look at the available talent trees that I've got and push towards getting that higher force rating? Um, more often than not, it's going to be about where you want to go with your character. I mean, if you dive into the force power tree, you're going to get really good at that force power, and it's going to really um, make your force point use efficient. Meanwhile, if you try to kind of do the same effects through brute force or just having a high force rating, you're going to end up probably burning a lot more XP, but you're going to make your character a little more robust in their career and specialization because you're going to be going through all kinds of talents to get to where you're going. Right, right. So, and again, it's all about it, what you want to do. It's what you want to do. And it, it's, again, that one-trick pony sort of mentality we talked about earlier um, right. on prior shows. So it's it's there. Okay, well, I I think we've set a good stage for the... And that's that's been a very large portion of the meat of the show that we intended to really focus on understanding some basics of force power usage and kind of how force powers are structured. I think now it's time that we actually properly kick off our new The Force Will Be With You segment. And I recorded an intro for it. Let's hear it. Okay. Don't underestimate the force. For my ally is the force. And the powerful ally it is. You've taken your first step into a larger world. You must... Feel the force around you. Stretch out with your feelings. Remember, the force will be with you, always. Remember, the force will be with you, always. Always. All right. So here we go. Here we go. Now, what? Talk, t- tell everyone what we're going to do, man. Before we get into the power that we're going to be talking about tonight... I mean, the the intent of this segment is to showcase a power, kind of as you said, yep. and we're going to be delving into a lot. Because as you say, the FFG has really slimmed down the number of force powers that are out there and categorized them short. It seems that every new career book we're getting, and occasionally the um, occasionally a, uh, adventure book, we're getting a new force power. Yeah. But I'm noticing that a lot of those are are kind of becoming hyper-specialized. Meanwhile, what we've got in Force and Destiny is really broad. Um, And sometimes folks are going, look, okay, I want to get this power that I used to have in this game, and I really want to do this with this Force effect. Well, where are these powers? Where's this Force power? It's in here. It's, It's in one of these 11 or 12, I can't remember how many there are, I think it's 11, Force powers that we've got in the Force and Destiny book. And what this new segment is going to do is we're going to take a deep look at these force powers let you know 
what exactly you can pull off with these things and maybe get you guys thinking outside the box as far as what can I pull off with, it, with, 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 with using this power? What will this power allow me to do and what won't it let me to do because in some other instance it's, it's, it falls under a different force power's purview? Exactly. And we're also going to spend some time going through, at least at a, at a higher level, some of the upgrade options, of course. And yeah. this actually came up in chat, and I didn't think to mention it in the meat of the show because it's kind of blatantly laid out in the rules, but it's really important to talk about. The way in which you adjudicate a force power roll mm-hmm. is the rules are very clear. You roll your force dice, and you decide what pips you're going to use. Mm-hmm. Only then, after you've rolled, do you decide how you apply them. So you don't have to say beforehand, well, I'm going to use my control upgrade and my duration upgrade. You can see what you roll and then and then decide how you're going to spend it. And so that really, guys, understanding that plays into the analysis we're going to do of the various upgrades for the powers because understanding how they can be used is going to help you make that in-game determination as appropriate. So. Yeah. So, okay, bro. I know this was your baby. What what are we what what is the inaugural power for the force will be with you? I think to kick this thing off we need to start this off with a party and move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. Damn right. We're gonna be talking about move. Arguably tied for first place in the most famous force ability category. Uh personally I feel the other being the Jedi mind trick. Mm-hmm. Uh move is a highly versatile force power. There's a lot you can do with it, which is probably why it causes a lot of confusion and discussion at the table. Yes. Today, let's clear up what you can do with this iconic ability. I love um, it. So yeah, let's start with the basic power. So, okay, basic power at its core, very simple. Um, mm-hmm. Move is a very basic telekinetic power that lets you move around small objects, like pull a lightsaber out of a snowdrift or float a rock from one rock to another rock while you're on your head. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's very simple. Um, you take an action to activate it, uh, rolling your current force rating. Um, and again, guys, don't forget to exclude, as we've said, any force dice you've already got committed to force effects. Now, from there, you spend one force point to move one object that is silhouette zero and within short range to somewhere else within short range. <laughs> right. Um, you can move it to any other point within short range uh, of, of, of you, not the object. Um, and, uh, you may not activate this multiple times. It's, it's a one-time thing, one object from point A to point B at a slow, non-harmful pace. It, basic, I, I, I can't reach that and I need it. I will move it to me or move it somewhere else. That's, that's it. Right. Very useful. Very handy. Um, and, and, and you know, especially yeah. when you're pulling lightsabers out of snowdrifts, which tends to be a, a theme in the movies, apparently. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> um, a lot of players don't find this very sexy in combat. Um, no, but it's not supposed to be used in combat. It's not supposed to be. I mean, it's very situational. Um, it is, but also it it can be it can be life saving to just do to just have. Yeah. Um, you know, just the, okay, I've got the ability to, to move something moving mm-hmm. around. You know, I've got a code cylinder across the room that is going to open this cell that I'm in. I'm going to use move and pick that up and draw that over to me. Um, arguably you could even use it to, to help out. Um, like, uh, I believe an R2 unit is still at zero. Ah, so you can use it to like pick up a small droid at the very least and move it to a different location, and you know maybe that will allow a droid to like move down a uh, a conveyor shaft that you can't get to, 
but now that with telekinesis, it destroyed Ken. Right. So, you can do both. You, you can do a lot with it. But let's face it, you want to do bigger and badder things with this power. Oh, yes, you do. So we're talking upgrades. We're talking upgrades, and I believe the first place we should probably start is... Um, let's start with some of the control upgrades. Okay. Because the control upgrades are what you really start to do with some of the sexiness here. Um, they aren't... And, and that's the funny thing about control upgrades, is they're just in the, in the tree as, control upgrade this, control upgrade that. They're not really addressed, so... Right. But, the, but their descriptors are very, very uh, clarifying as to what you can and can't do with it. So the first control upgrade that you get to is, is what I like to call harmful objects. <laughs> you can now move objects with sufficient velocity to injure someone or something. I call this the first upgrade every player gets. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> um, the next one further down the tree is arguably called force disarm. You can now pull objects off of secure mountings or from an opponent's grasp. This is really interesting because for for such a broad uh, typicality these powers have, this is very specific. And I've had frustrated players who don't have this particular control upgrade upgrade get pissy when I I have to I have to so rarely say no. You can't attempt that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure maybe I could maybe like give them like a super hard discipline check or something. But mm. it's like, 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 look, there's an ability that lets you disarm the guy. You don't have the ability. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, or arguably do it this way. Um, the whole sort of the sense of, okay, I'm going to try to use move on you as a person. Or, or use move on, um, uh, try to hit you with an object. And if I miss but roll three advantage, then we'll say that, okay, I, I tried to grab your gun and hit you with that and it failed or something. But I still disarmed you of the gun, you know. Standard um, advantage expenditure stuff. But if you want, if you definitely want that gun that's in that stormtrooper's hand, or you want that data pad that's clipped to his belt, or you want that um, computer terminal that's mounted on that wall over there, for uh, use that control upgrade because, as I say, you pull objects off secure mountings. Yeah. So that's how Vader was like able to rip all that machinery off the wall in on Bespin. And yeah. Cloud City and hurl it at Luke is that's what he was using. Two control upgrades, the first one and the second one, and then right. a lot of magnitude upgrades. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, the final one is what we will consider fine manipulation, and uh, quite simply, your telekinetic ability is so precise that you can do whatever you could normally do with your hands to a held item: use a weapon, throw a lever, use a keypad, whatever. Uh, fine motor control is now what you can do with that. And the neat thing about these control upgrades is that none of these upgrades have any stipulations about activating multiple times because that doesn't really apply. No. You don't have to spend another force point to get force disarm or to use fine manipulation. You can, in fact, chain them together. You can rip the blaster out of one guy's hand and use it to smash into the person next to him. Yeah, it, it's rare we find a control upgrade that doesn't have an additional force point cost. And, yeah, and and none of these control upgrades do. So right. that's that's absolutely huge. You could if you if you bought your way down the tree, you could have a force rating of one, roll one pip to activate the power, disarm a guy of his blaster, and then beat him in the head with it. Yep, I for mean, five damage. But yep, you could disarm the guy's bat blaster, and then pull the trigger in his face. Yeah, 
I there mean, you go. Fine manipulation of objects, anything you could do with your hands. That might sound, might, might sound overpowered, but that control is at the bottom of the tree, so I would totally allow it because you spent a lot of XP to get to that point. And here's the other thing, is that with the exception of going through one ranged upgrade, you can do all of these effects with just your one force rating. Yeah. You can buy down there, get to fine manipulation. Now you've got a force power that as long as you can get that one pip to activate, you can really do some funky powerful stuff with it and with only that force rating of one. You can, you can, you can move your, uh, your toolkit or slicing gear, uh, slide it along the four using the force, and then use fine manipulation to jack it into a terminal and pick a lock at short range. You could yeah. you could hack a computer terminal at short range as long as you yep. can see it clearly and see yep. the readout. I mean that's that's what it does. Now, as we'll get to in a bit, when you start buying into range upgrade, if you do activate a range upgrade or two, damn. Mm. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, right. Yeah. And it's probably a good thing that you get that you get to go through a range upgrade to get down to fine motor control, so that you've got that chance to get those two force pips, and and then you can do something at medium range. Yeah. But so that's the control upgrades. Uh, let's move into magnitude. Yeah, let's do bigger with more things. Bigger, bigger, more things. I love magnitude because this is the first of the multiple activation upgrades, um, and it, they're all down that left side of that of that uh, tree. Um, just one after the other after the other. Spend a force point to increase the number of... An extra force point to increase the number of targets affected by an amount equal to the number of magnitude upgrades you've purchased. So kind of as we said before, if, if you have two magnitude upgrades and you spend two force points total to activate the move power, you can pick up uh, you know, three silhouette zero objects. You know, Obviously the first one with the base power and two more for activating uh, your magnitude upgrades once. Um, and you have two of them, and mm-hmm. then, you know, move them. Uh, if you have three force points, you can pick up five objects, okay, because you could spend two points to activate the magnitude upgrades twice. Um, this is, this is, this is basically how you auto-fire. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> with move. Um, you pick up several objects with magnitude upgrades, and you pummel several targets all at once. I mean, up to your, the maximum you can lift, of course. And it's like, if you, if you were to go through and buy all four magnitude upgrades for two force points... One to activate the base power, one to activate magnitude. You could lift up five objects and hurl them at somebody. Yep. I mean, for two force pips. And that's amazing. Um, or if I rolled six force points and I just had one copy of magnitude, I could, mm-hmm. do, the, I could do the same thing. I could pick up right. five. Brute or, force or, versus yeah. efficient expenditure. Exactly. So that's magnitude. It's pretty simple. Move more things. Right. Which brings us to range. So, let's face it. Short range is short. (laughs) With your range upgrades, you spend a force point to increase that range by one range band per range upgrade you've purchased. And there are three range upgrades spread throughout the tree. So this means eventually that you'll get out to extreme range for only one force point. But even with only one range upgrade, you could get there if you got the three extra force points to do it. Exactly. And as all these other qualitative, uh, uh, sorry, quantitative upgrades, up this ranged upgrade can be activated multiple times. Right. Just as we just said with magnitude. Yep. Um, then there is lastly strength, um, the strength upgrade. There's another four copies of strength, and eventually you just get to a point where there's nothing too big to lift. Um, 
if you've got the force points available. And that's the kicker. Right. Uh, spending a force point um, can increase the silhouette of the object you can affect by a number equal to the number of strength upgrades you purchase. So if you got one of the strength upgrades, you can now spend an extra force point and pick up a silhouette one average-sized humanoid. Um, if you have all four strength upgrades, one extra force point would let you pick up an ADAT or a, a YT-1300 CEC. Y uh, you could pick up the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> um that's massive. Um, even with only two strength upgrades, you could pick up the Millennium Falcon if you had three force points to spend. Um, you know, just one to activate moves, basic power, and then two to activate your your strength. So, I mean, and and I mean, Phil, if you get into like, if you got four strength upgrades, or heck, even three strength upgrades, and you're spending a couple of force points on them, you can start, you know, moving silhouette five and six objects potentially. Potentially, uh, which sort of leads to an interesting discussion that I <laughs> that I've seen folks have. Tell me. Well, I've seen a lot of folks that that seem to feel that just because you have the strength upgrades to lift the silhouette, you can't just pick it up. Um, they say that you should also have the range upgrades to be able to cover the entire object as well. So, for example, if you want to pick up a Corellian Corvette while you're standing next to it with move. You should have enough force points to activate ranged upgrades to get out to medium or possibly even long range so you can sort of cover from, okay, I'm picking up the stern and I'm picking up the bow all at once and then I can activate my five my force points to get me up to a moving up silhouette five object. Okay, now I can pick up the Corvette. I'm so glad you brought this up um, because it's, it's a really interesting point and People, it, it's not it's not incremental. It's almost exponential. When you go from silhouette four to silhouette five, that is an absolutely massive size size differential. Yeah, we're talking like a difference of fifty meters to almost what two hundred. Yeah, four times as big. That's huge. Yeah, it's it's absolutely huge. And then when you get when you get up to silhouette six, you're talking about ships that are you know kilometers long. Now I'm now what we're talking about here is we're also talking about like what I like to refer to as deadlift. Yeah. You are entirely picking this thing off the ground. Nothing is resting on the ground anymore. Yeah. If you want to, like, you know, like you would, like, pick up the corner of a, of a coffee table to get that thing off from underneath it, and the rest of the weight of this thing is, you know, balanced on its other landing skids or legs in the case of a coffee table, that's fine. Then you can absolutely, I would absolutely allow you to do that without having to spend range upgrades. You lift up the thing at the point where it is, it's kind of catty corner off of its mounting, and then you can, you know, let it back down. Um, you know, could be handy to do, or or you just like you know swing it around and hit someone with that. I'm talking about full, you know, um, here we're talking about the full blown deadlift. I'm picking it up completely off the ground. It is not touching anything. It is hovering in the air purely with the power of the force. Or I'm going to smash it into the ship next to it if they're flying, kind of thing. Right, right. Um, we'll get into that too. We'll get, yeah, we'll get, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, like like uh, Tartatovsky Clone Wars Yoda, basically. Yeah. Um. But I mean, and, and what you just mentioned with the range upgrades as well, that's not in the rules, but dude, no. I, I totally have to agree with this suggestion. It is, it is not unreasonable judgment call to make. And because players who really get this power and if they roll really well, especially they can do some really over the top stuff with it. Um, and mm -hmm. I, so I think this is a very reasonable judgment call that a GM can keep in his back pocket um, for, for when it's really needed. Yeah. Concur and can curb some of that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. 
So that's kind of the basics of of the force power move. Okay. And that that kind of sets the ground foundation for what we'll we'll build off of. Um, so let's talk about using the power. You know what you can do with move and how you do them. And at the basic of its core, it's you want to use move to pick up an object. <laughs> yeah. Easy peasy. You roll your current force rating in dice and generate enough force points to pick up the object based on its size and distance from you. If you want to pick up a data pad at short range, silhouette zero object, one force point. If you want to pick up a human at medium range, that's three force points. And you need at least one strength upgrade and at least one range upgrade. Right. If you're trying to move an object secretly behind someone's back, now it becomes an opposed check. Uh, and I would even have this even if the target isn't necessarily a minion or a rival. Oh, really? Okay. Or, or even Nemesis and rival. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah, sorry. Nemesis or rival. Um, just because I, I feel that this isn't a, well, maybe a minion group because they're just minions. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have an opposed check for minions because the idea of like silently and secretly moving something behind a, a bunch of Roger Roger droids' backs is. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to make you check for that. That's awesome. You know. <laughs> eh, good point. Good point. Amend that. Th- this is this is a, this is a use of this power that would be subject to its you know yeah opposed check versus a uh, plot important rival or a nemesis, but otherwise just make the check. Right, but at that point, um, like totally stealth versus discipline or perception. Um, or stealth versus vigilance. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and don't forget to have the size of the object being moved factor into that role. You know, trying to move a code cylinder across a room is going to be a lot easier than trying to move a swoop bike across the room. Yeah, it really, it really is. I mean, I mean, you're talking setback dice. Is what you're talking exactly, about. <laughs> or boost dice. You know, if you're trying to move, I was someone trying to move a code cylinder. I'd give it, yeah, give it, take a couple boost dice to that stealth check. Uh, if you're trying to move a speeder, a swoop bike or a land speeder, yeah, take three or four setback dice on that one, would you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although absolutely. it would be hilarious just to see the droid standing there. They're standing there talking to the person, and then meanwhile behind them, this land speeder just kind of lifts up, lifts up, and slides quietly the moves across. Oh, that's hilarious! I love it. <laughs> So there's a lot of creative things you can do with just that base power. I mean, the ability to pick up an object and move it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and what you point out, especially trying to secret something away, uh, thievery, skullduggery. Okay. Damn right. Uh, I mean, it, it's a, it's it's highly useful in that arena. Um, you know, now the more direct approach that everyone wants to move for is so they can pick up an object and then smash somebody with it. Um, and, and Phil, I mean, everything you said above really applies, but, and this is specifically called out in the rules mm-hmm. for this control upgrade, in addition to the force power check where you're rolling your force dice, you are also required, and this is rolled as all skill checks are at the same time, you roll your force power dice, uh, your force dice, uh, to make, in this case, a ranged combat check, all right? Um, yes. Now, a ranged combat check with this power is made using the discipline skill. Um, right. Uh, but so it's use the discipline skill, but it's treated like a ranged combat check. What that means is that range defense applies, cover and concealment apply, aiming applies. Okay, for you know to to benefit you. Okay, Th- things like that. Uh, any critical injury that you're suffering that could reasonably affect this check applies. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you 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 make that range combat check. Um, now, what's a little odd though is that the difficulty for the check is not what you would normally expect. You normally, yeah. Normally, your difficulty is based on the the, the distance between you and the target. 
in this case, because obviously the there, there's a lot there's a lot of weird factors. First of all, the force in quotation marks changes mm. everything. But I mean, I, I could be I could be you know the the attacking object could be at short range from me and engage with this person or vice versa. There's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of situationalness. So the idea is the difficulty for that combat check is based on the size of the object you are lifting, mm-hmm. um, not the range. So. Uh, somebody using a silhouette zero object, like if I'm going to smack somebody with a data pad, it there's it's actually simple difficulty. There's no difficulty dice. I mean, I could still fail if I roll all blanks um, or all failures, uh, yep. all blanks and failures. But but and know. adversary and and range of defense would fall into that as well. Exactly, adversary talent applies. Um, but you know, so it, the point is though, generally speaking, this is very easy to pull off. But since the damage is only five, you're probably not going to leave more than a, just just a bruise. You're, I mean, usually a target soak is going to take the majority of that damage. Now, other than that, objects deal ten times their silhouette in damage. So if I'm throwing a person, that's ten wounds. Now we're talking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just gets better and better and better. Right. Um, now, what about what about like? A very large objects that are going to hit multiple targets. I mean, like if I'm going to lift in the aforementioned example, the ADAT, to can I smash a squad of stro- snow, uh, snow troopers that are standing next to it? This is actually called out in the description of power as well. It's really up to the GM to determine if a particularly massive object is going to hit multiple targets, um, like that scenario you just you just gave. Um, I've actually got some suggestions for that, and we'll go over that a little bit later. But ultimately, you know, you want to pick up a a, a freighter and smash a a couple stormtrooper squads with it. Kind of up to your GM to say whether or not that works or not. Yeah, I think that's a great use of advantage and and or triumph and threat and despair. If you ask me. Yeah. Now, as we said. Defenses and are going to apply because this is considered a ranged check, okay, a ranged attack check, mm-hmm. and so would bonuses, as we said. Um, what about auto fire? Because good, good as, question. Aside from the the air quotes auto fire we talked about, where I'm just lifting multiple objects and going bam, 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 bam. Can I actually use the auto fire rules? I mean, with move. Yep, and this has been clarified by the devs, good old Sam Stewart. Um, and it's also actually mentioned in the power as well. Um, you can hit a target or multiple targets multiple times with move using the auto-fire rules. You have to have enough force points to activate your magnitude upgrades along with using the power itself. And also you take the increased difficulty to the ranged attack check, uh, ranged combat check for using auto-fire. So if you succeed, you can pick up an object and for every two advantage you roll, you get to hit another declared target or the same target with another projectile. Okay. Now, personally, because this makes the most sense, you limit the number of times you can do that based on the number of objects you could conceivably pick up with with uh, with uh, magnitude. Magnitude, upgrades. of course, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if I've got only one magnitude upgrade and I activate it and I roll auto fire and I roll eight advantages, I'm not going to be hitting a guy four times, you know, because I can't physically pick up that many objects with only two force points. Gotcha. Or however many force points I decide to, you know, decide to put towards, I have available to put towards that magnitude upgrade after activating the power, picking up the object, and having the range. So. Okay. Auto fire can be, uh, auto fire can be really hard, but if you can pull it off, my god. Look at what Vader did to Luke. Poor Luke. Poor Luke. <laughs> and it, it just, boom, 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 and and I love, I love that fight because when you, when you really get into it, the, the audience realizes as you're watching this, Oh God, he's just toying with him. 
<laughs> Vader's trolling him. It's like he's totally just trolling him. It's, 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 this isn't even a contest. Why, why is he not just killing him? Oh. <laughs> and if you look at the objects, for the most part, for the most part, those are silhouette zero objects. Yeah, but when you and that's the other thing too. I know soak applies to each one, but when you get hit yeah. with five with five with five five damage objects, yeah, uh, that ain't that ain't that ain't <laughs> that's not a feather tap. It, you know, it, it, it. I figure Luke, you know, where he's wearing heavy clothing, he's probably got like a three brawn there, so he's got like a soak of four. So Vader's like, you know, one, you know, one point damage plus net successes. Boom, 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 boom. And we'll crit this one. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing too. Is even if you only deal one point of damage, whether your discipline is very high as Vader's is or what or yeah. was, um, yeah, you do roll your your net successes to the range combat check are added. This is you know that five points of damage for a for a silhouette zero object. That's just the base damage. Yeah, it's so so if you roll five successes, oh, now it does eleven damage. Okay. Yep. Bonk. It's it's or uh, uh, or uh, five. It's ten, ten ten damage. Yeah, if you roll yeah, six successes. Damage. If you roll five successes, all of a sudden it's ten damage. I mean, that applies as well. And if you roll advantage, you're going to crit. It's just, I mean, it's staggering. Staggering what yep. you can do. Um, so, okay, now that is that is just obviously hitting people, smashing somebody with an object. Yep. yep. Can you smash somebody with somebody? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. And this is also a very, very common force power, force, a use of this force power. So, looking over the sidebar for resisting force powers, this could have been an opposed discipline check if it were not for the line in that sidebar that states, if it's not already an opposed check or a combat check, yep. use this. So, you know, but still, I feel in this instance that you have to overcome a target's initial resistance to being picked up in the first place because you're trying to get enough of a grip on them to use them as a battering ram. I, I might make this an opposed discipline check, unless for some reason the normal range combat check difficulty is higher. Well, no, you hit it on the head, and this is what I do. You want to keep it simple, right? Phil, yeah. if you have, if you were, do, uh, think, about, think about it this way, and the, the rules have already clearly and brilliantly done this. If you are dual firing or attacking with two weapons, and for some reason you would have two different difficulties for each. You use the worst. You use the worst. And that's all you have to do here to really make it fair. Look, if ah. the, if the, if the, if the, it's, it's not a matter of what skill you're using, whether it's, I mean, it's, you're using discipline uh, in, in either, you, you would be using discipline in either case, but is it tougher for the person you're moving to resist or is the actual, the actual range combat check tougher? You almost always, it's the discipline to resist because it's an actual opposed check at that point. Um, then just use that, and then don't worry about rolling separately for the range check. You've succeeded, okay? But just, right. just use the hardest difficulty, and you're fine. Now, and here's the other thing: is that arguably a tar- you know, it's, usually it's a it's a discipline versus discipline, but arguably because this is like you know telekinesis, you're trying to get like a a force grip on someone. A target could conceivably try to wriggle out of your telekinetic grip, possibly allowing for coordination or athletics to be used as the opposed check. That's a possibility. You know, I've never actually done that. I've I've always treated it uh, discipline, discipline. Um, hmm. I've done discipline cool. I had a player suggest cool to me once. Ooh, interesting. Um, another one that would make sense to me is vigilance, mm. which is really the skill of getting of acting quickly and getting the hell out of the way. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, but it's up to GM's call, really. Yeah, but I mean that goes to show the flexibility of what you can do. So yeah. 
So what happens afterwards is if you are successful, you are able to pick someone up and slam it into another person. Both targets are going to take damage based on the projectile silhouette. Um, defenses, I'd still apply adversary, the higher of the two affected opponents, as well as the better of the range defense scores. Absolutely. Always take the worst difficulty available to you. Always, always, yep. always. Now, this last one's my own personal belief. Conflict. Ah. Picking up a guy <laughs> and using him as a missile against another guy is a bit of a dick move. <laughs> I like it. I think it's effective. But it's a little excessive and borderline brutally efficient. And once you start talking about those terms, you're definitely skirting on the edge of the dark side to me. I personally give one conflict to any of my PCs who do this. What if it's That's just me. What if they're what if they're doing it to droids? Um, arguably then it's it's um I'd mm, I'd still do it just because I want to be consistent. Well, and this is and this is the other thing too is like prior editions of the game called out like you know this could be dark side worthy unless it's a droid unless it's a droid <laughs> because droid, it's a droid. because droids aren't alive. I hated that because one of the central conflicts in Star Wars is the fact that we all know that droids have sentience, okay? Yeah. And that that innate struggle is you know these things are feelings they have emotion they feel pain and and so I I don't. No. I don't go as extreme as you do with this. It's not a guaranteed conflict if one of my players does this. Mm-hmm. But you got a fifty-fifty shot. It depends on your emotional state. <laughs> um, if, if 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 you've got two dark side acolytes that are trying to slice you up and are spitting hate and vitriol at you, and you do this, I I mean, depending on your mindset at the time and whether you're angry or not, I probably won't give you a conflict for that in at my table. Um, but again, the reason why I'm so got, easy to you, hand it out is because of the nature of conflict. Because it's not like a guaranteed slip towards the dark side you know it's yeah. it's more just kind of slow if anything it's more of just a slower in your progression towards paragon yeah yeah so that that was my reasoning behind it because it's not an automatic oh you're screwed it's just one of those mm, okay that's fine you know a little br- brutally efficient and sometimes the situation calls for being brutally efficient yeah like in this situation you say two sith uh, two two sith acolytes are, are are trying to carve you up fastest way to deal with them is pick them both up smack them together against each other brutally efficient gets the job done immediately and let's face it if I, I the way i feel about it is if you have to do that you pick up and do you're consciously all right i'm just going to take you guys out now yeah it's kind of on the same aspect of you know you know jumping the gun setting an ambush uh attacking first that whole we're ending this now i'm done with this now when you do this both targets should be taking the damage Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So let me throw something else at you that a little bit of an ad lib here, um, audible on sure. the notes. Um, something that one of my players once did that really surprised me, and, and I, it makes perfect sense, and I didn't think about it, but it makes absolutely perfect sense. They activated the magnitude upgrade before they did this, and they didn't lift one guy up and throw him into the other guy. They, to use your example, lifted both guys up and smacked them into each other. And at that point, you're talking two hits. Yeah. You are. Um, I, 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 yeah. If you can do the magnitude upgrade, I would. Um, I'd still treat that as auto fire. It, it, we did, we did, we treat, we treated it as auto fire. He, he had the magnitude upgrade, and he, I told him you're gonna have to pull off to advantage to do this. Um, but he did, and that's a great example of how you can, you can bring that in. He, you know, he, he pulled off the magnitude upgrade, and he got his two advantage. Boom! Smacked them both into each other, and at that point, they both took. I mean, he rolled. I think. 
two or three successes, so they both took like twelve damage twice. Ugh. Okay, <laughs> twelve, twelve. It was just smack, and I mean, they were both out. So, um, yeah. I mean, that was, and I, I thought that was brilliant. Um, no, that's that's perfect. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. Um, now, the other classic thing with move, and this, as we talked about, gets into that really second con- second control upgrade, pulling objects out of other people's hands. Yep. Um, this is again, if you got the upgrade it, at that point, it's just a matter, guys, of straight up force rating roll to generate enough points to affect the object that's being held in place. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, if, if it's a blaster pistol, I mean, what you're, it's a silhouette zero. <laughs> okay. Um, at that point, uh, you know, you, if you have the control upgrade, you're talking about a single force point. Yeah, um, maybe two if the target's at medium range. If they're at medium range, correctly, and you, and you need to activate that range, uh, that range upgrade. Now, if this is being used against a target that could resist the power, like another PC or a nemesis or a plot critical rival, um, it, it really should be an opposed check, um, in, in that case, um, versus, I mean, what would we do versus? I mean, discipline is the go-to choice, but I mean, mm-hmm. uh, athletics? I'd say athletics if it's better. If it's better? Um, I, w- I would use the, the, the harder of the two. What about vigilance? Sure, sure, do, sure. Like snatching that thing away really quickly um, or coordination? Yep. Um, well, I, I, see, I don't know about coordination in this case because this is raw power. Oh, you're right. At that point, I, no. I, then I take back vigilance. I really do. I agree with you. I think athletics makes the most choice because it's you're holding it and they're trying to pull it away from you. Right? How, are, are you stronger than them? That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Either stronger in will or stronger physically. Physically than than the effect they're trying to to put forth. Yeah. Interesting. And no, keep in mind, guys, it doesn't have to be ripping something out of their hands. This could be an object that's stowed or holstered or wall-mounted or wall-bolted. Um, Luke pulled that gar- uh, that uh, Jabba Guardsman's pistol right out of the holster. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> he's unarmed. Yes, I'm unarmed. <laughs> you fools. <laughs> you fools. <laughs> he's no Jedi. Um, <laughs> okay, so, you know, smacking thing smacking people with objects smacking people with people pulling objects out of each other's hands i mean what other what other really fun and cool stuff can we do with the various upgrades and activations in move well, obi-wan did this in uh the in, uh, uh, episode two open doors huh. now opening doors easy to kind of easy to do in concept um you need to determine how big the door is for instance um is it a hatch that might be a silhouette zero um, standard Death Star blast door. It's probably silhouette two. Massive hangar door for the Rebel base on Hoth. That's probably a silhouette four, maybe even a silhouette five object. Yeah. Uh, for that, all you need to do is just roll force rating and generate enough points to activate it. Move and enough strength upgrades to match the door silhouette. Easy yeah. peasy. Yeah, and and. And the other thing, too, is I've had players that want they just want to, like, it's like, no, I don't want to grab the door and physically move it. I just want to push the button to close the door. Um, keep in mind, with any force power, you got to have line of sight, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can't push the button on the other side of the wall. Doesn't work that nope. way. And don't be a dick and be like, no, you can't do that because you don't have the fine, fine manipulation control upgrade. There's fine manipulation, and then there's, like, if somebody with just meaty fists could pound it and get it done, that's not really fine manipulation. So yeah, I don't think Darth Maul had fine manipulation. I just think he had telekinesis, and he picked up that object and smashed the door panel open with it. I mean, that's that's precisely it. So don't don't go overboard with this. If somebody wants to 
to to to push a button, okay? Um that's not really in the realm of serious, you know, tactical or uh, uh, tactile usage which you get with that massive control upgrade. Right. But, but even then, if you can't see the panel or if it's locked, so pushing a button doesn't matter, hell yeah. Grab that door and brute force it open. I mean, right. why not? Works for Obi-Wan. It, it works, can work for you. It works for Obi-Wan and it can work for you. <laughs> so let's take that a little bit let's take that a little bit more um to the next level, not just pushing a button. Uh let's talk about using objects remotely. Something like you mentioned earlier, slicing a terminal or jury rigging repairs on a broken hatch across the room. Yeah. Uh, for that, you're going to be rolling a force power check in addition to the skill roll you would use to normally make that check. Correct. So you, you just set the difficulty, determine what it is, and you determine the skill that you're using against it, be it computers or mechanics or medicine, piloting. Imagine sitting in the backseat trying to fly an air, fly a, uh, airspeeder with, uh, with move object. I love it. I think it's brilliant. While, while some dude is on top of you trying to cut your head off, this is... This is like, Star- this for is example, you get arrested, <laughs> and the cop throws you in the back of the car, that secured, isolated back seat, and as the cop's outside talking to somebody, you use move and piloting planetary to go. And then you have this high-speed chase where you're flying the car from the back seat. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, for that, um, you're going to use increases and upgrades to the difficulty based on the distance as would be appropriate. I mean, if you're trying to slice a terminal from across a room or even farther, um, it's going to be hard for you to read the screen. So yeah. I would definitely add some setback or in- increase the difficulty or possibly even upgrade the difficulty yeah, uh, totally. for, for that. I would agree completely. Um, but yeah, just just get enough force points to be able to affect the object that you're doing. Okay, um, so really fine manipulation. Yeah. And I mentioned this earlier in a very flippant fashion, but this is very serious. Can you fight with weapons remotely? Can you do the Darth Treya style? Uh, I mean, there was a there was actually in, in the in the last D twenty system an actual force power just for this. Um, yep. the, the ability to pick up a lightsaber or a blaster and fight with it remotely. Yes, you can. Okay. Um, fighting weapons with remotely, you just do it as, as we just mentioned, but with one personal caveat. I would make the skill be made with willpower or the appropriate characteristic, whichever is worse. Whichever's worse. Ah. Whichever's worse. Uh, I wouldn't use the better of the two characteristics just to curb someone from min-maxing a force user who uses an arsenal of floating weapons at all times. <laughs> it's like, dude, your willpower is six. Yeah, and I have, I have five ranks in discipline. And, <laughs> and, and I got five ranks in, uh, uh, in ranged heavy, and my willpower is at rank six, so I'm rolling five yellows and a green to shoot this blaster pistol, even though my agility is a one. Yeah. No. Cheese. Stinky, smelly cheese. No. Stinky, smelly cheese. Uh, and I also, do, I would do the same thing when determining the damage of a strength-based weapon. Again, this is my personal recommendation. Raw doesn't implicitly cover this at all. They don't even say what you would use if you wanted to do this. No. Um, they just kind of leave it open and vague. And I think this, I, I think they did a good call here and kind of left it up to the GM to be like, okay, what would be best in this situation? Um, but yeah, by 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 using that lowest uh, that that lowest tier um, 
uh, control upgrade, you absolutely can manipulate an object. And if you want to do the Darth Treya thing and fight with three lightsabers, that's a magnitude upgrade. And absolutely, dude, you, you get a couple magnitude upgrades and an extra force point, and boom! You're... You want to auto-fire with them? Okay, increase okay. the difficulty. Okay, here you go. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 it. Yeah. Okay, so those are cool things we've talked about doing with Move. Um, some great examples. Maybe you guys uh, have gleaned a bit from that. Phil, let's get into some some unleashed territory here. Move, yes. Move, move unleashed, man. What are some like extreme power stunts you could try with Move, and what 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 do you need to do them? Okay. So for this next section, this final section of, ta- of this discussion, we're going to assume that we're dealing with a Force user who's had some training. Uh, let's assume Force Rating 3, all of the moves control upgrades, and two upgrades for magnitude, range, and strength. Dang! Okay, I'm, I've got to pull this up so I can do the math on that. Sure. We're, we're talking about just, in, in terms of just raw XP expenditure... You're talking about I mean, easily 300, three hundred three three fifty range. <clears throat> how many how many range upgrades did you say? Uh, uh, two of two for each. Two for each. So two two range, two magnitude, two strength. Yep. And then all the controls. Yep. Okay. Uh, so you're talking about 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 75 XP, uh, eighty XP, um, bumped into move. Plus at least seventy five into well actually there are some there are some Jedi uh, some um, Force and Destiny careers where for only like a hundred hundred for only like a hundred and fifty you could get two uh, two Force ratings so yeah we are talking about a three hundred point character so uh, three hundred this character. is this is like super knight level here we're talking about probably you know. Jedi, maybe maybe close to being Jedi Master equivalent here, if not Jedi Master equivalent. At the very least, this should be able to be pulled off by an Inquisitor. Absolutely. Think about it that way too. Okay, easy. So that that's that's the level of of of, of character we're talking about here. Okay. Okay, so so lay it on me, Chris. What's this? What's the scenario? I want, you want to, to do. I want to. I want to do something I've seen in Force Unleashed. I want Sam Sam Witwer to jump off of a Star Destroyer and land, and then Force Slam every single Stormtrooper all around him. All right. Let's assume twenty Stormtroopers. Yes, twenty Stormtroopers. All right. Now Stormtroopers are usually minions, possibly minor rivals. Yeah. Yeah. So. So just to affect them, we're talking about a force rating. You obviously you're you're rolling your force rating, and you're going to make an average ranged combat check. Because I'm trying to auto fire, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, no, no, no. You're not. You're not auto firing. You're affecting multiple targets. Remember that a minion group is technically one target. Right. So twenty stormtroopers might actually only be about four or five targets, depending on how the GM has them right. bunched up. Right. Okay. Okay. So a four to five stormtrooper squad would be probably a silhouette two target. You figure? You know, they're kind of spread out. They're not going to be necessarily really tight knit against each other. No, I ab- I absolutely agree. So I mean, that's that's where we're getting that average difficulty from. Got yeah, it. and Got maybe it. maybe a two to three person squad might be a silhouette one. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So in addition to scoring one net success on the discipline based ranged combat check versus average difficulty, remember this. You also need to generate five force points. You need one force point to activate move in and of itself. You need one force point to activate the strength upgrades to affect a silhouette one or two target. 
Finally, you need one force point to activate the range upgrade. Sorry, not finally. You need one force point to activate the ranged upgrades because it's unlikely that all 20 guys are going to be at short range from you. And right. finally, two points to activate the magnitude upgrades twice to be able to affect four to five different targets. Gotcha. So in the middle, make that average check roll because you're not going to increase the difficulty because you're not, you're not technically auto-firing. Your average minion group for Stormtrooper doesn't have an arranged defense and they don't have an adversary one. So it's just a two purple check. And as long as you score a success and five force points, you just force slammed all three of those groups. And if I'm force rating three and willing to take some strain and some conflict, you better believe I can get five points. Damn right. That's that's that, pretty guaranteed. Fairly, yeah, fairly uh, odds are, yeah. It's not guaranteed, but there's a very good chance. You got a, you got a pretty good chance there. Yep. Yeah, you do. And hey, even if you're only able to get, let, let's say you 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 uh, you only get four, that means that you only affect like three of the groups instead of all five. Yeah. Right. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> And that's the thing, is that you kind of go for the effect, you see how many points you got, and like, okay, I'm going to do this, going to do that, going to do that, all right, we'll, do it. we'll end up doing it this way. There you go. Okay, okay, I'm liking this, I'm liking this. Give me, give, me, give me one. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? All right. I want to, I want to pick up a freighter and smash those 20 battle droids with it. You want to pick up the Millennium Falcon and slam it into 20 battle droids? Yes, I want to pick up this Millennium Falcon, I want to invert it, and I want to pancake that, that squad <laughs> of 20 battle droids coming at me. Okay. Okay, so so at its core, what you're talking about doing first and foremost is lifting a silhouette four object and then using it as a projectile. Yep. So this is a force power check with a daunting discipline check as its range combat check because of that silhouette. Right. Now, if you succeed in that, mm-hmm. you will you will need to generate four force points. One to activate basic move, mm-hmm. two more to activate the strength upgrades twice. To get to silhouette four to objects, get, okay. To get silhouette four objects, and possibly one more to activate the range upgrades, depending on where they are, okay? And where the Falcon is. And where the Falcon is. Now, it's only one object, so you don't need to use any magnitude upgrades. Okay. So, by the raw, the rules is written, you could only target one minion group with this trek, but I, like, I'd almost treat this like a blast attack, because, mm. you know, on the fly, because, I mean, if you hit... You're going to deal full damage to that target minion group, and then if you get a couple uh, advantage on your di- on your discipline combat check, range combat check, you can catch anybody in engage range with that group. Um, if there's another group in like the area, maybe another two advantage to hit them as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd probably have the the extra damage be half the original. So I mean, in this case, twenty points. <laughs> Only- so blast twenty, basically. <laughs> blast twenty. Only twenty. Um, oh, yeah, only twenty, and then and then and consequently on a miss, I would still let the original target take twenty damage if if you roll at least three advantages on the combat check. You know they can't get out of the way because um, it's a like a thirty meter long ship. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I, I think I think I, I that's actually a really hilarious moment. You got sixteen droids scattering for cover while the four in the center look up and like pathetically like you know Roger Roger uh oh <laughs> <laughs> and just and pancake it. Okay. All right. This this is this is this is forced unleashed epic stuff here. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm... and this also got mentioned in chat and I told him to wait for it. <sighs> okay, okay. I got I got I got another one. I got a last one for you. All right. Yep. Continuing my force unleashed memories of playing this awesome game. I want to I I Ram Coda is yelling in my ear, you know, to pull it out of the sky. And I want to I want to grab a star destroyer in low orbit 
and pull it out of the sky. Can I do this with move in this system? Can I do it if I've got that that you know Jedi Master level of of expertise? And as Swift Draw asked back on about nine thirty, uh, <laughs> almost uh, an hour ago, here it is, buddy. Yes, you can. Sort of. Sort of. Okay. For all you wannabe star killers out there, by raw, the Star Destroyer is an object. It's not a rival. It's not a PC. It's not a nemesis. However, <laughs> however, it is almost certainly has a prominent rival, PC, or nemesis in control of the ship. So for this, I would argue that you make a discipline check, an oppose check, against the leadership role of that commander. Amen. As they try to direct efforts to break free of your force-fueled tractor beam. Love it. So the roll is a force power check and an opposed discipline check versus their commander's leadership. Okay, okay, I'm buying this, okay. You need to generate seven force points. One to activate move. Four points to activate the strength upgrades enough times to affect a Silhouette 8 object. And two points to activate the ranged upgrades twice to get to extreme range. Now, extreme range is a little nebulous. Extremely as it nebulous. just kind of says, like, anything beyond this point is extreme range. Yeah. So, and even if we talk about my whole, okay, you need to be able to affect, like, the whole, touch the whole craft to be able to grab it in the force... No, I don't care where you are, the Star Destroyer is definitely extreme range what long. I would agree. Um, I wouldn't let you do this from orbit. That's because really from even from orbit, if you can still you can still technically see a Star Destroyer in orbit, but you're just not gonna be able to move it any with with, with any real, you know, effect. Right. Certainly with any real speed. It's not like you're gonna be able to grab it when it's ten kilometers up and instantly in that same round slam it into the ground. If you could do that, the ship's gonna break up on re-entry anyway from traveling that fast. It's gonna take multiple rounds of effort, I think. Um, minutes of effort. Minutes of effort. Which is pretty much what you saw in the game, actually. Pretty much, yeah. Now, I said you needed seven force points, and we're talking about a character with a force rating of three. So physically, it's not possible for this particular force user, barring any sort of weird force virgins' effects that they talk about in um, Nexus of Power. And don't forget those force virgins' effects. Right. And what? But what if you can? What if he could he get those extra force points that he needed? So what would the effect be? Well, if you force it to the ground, quite simply, anything under the Star Destroyer is just gone. It's squashed flat. Um, I wouldn't have the Star Destroyer take, like, you know, it's a Silhouette 8 object, so it takes 80 points of damage. That, you know, so which translates into 8 damage. That's kind of meh. That's the point. This is the point where narration takes over. Exactly. I would say that if you were able to grab the Star Destroyer and crash it in the ground, the Star Destroyer at the very least takes a collision. Possibly a major collision if you roll the Triumph. I would agree. So, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Swift draws in the Swift draws in the chat. So go assassinate the ship commander first. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna build. We'll, we'll go back to our droid episode. I'm gonna build an assassination droid. <laughs> I'm gonna sneak him on board the ship, and his job while we invade the lower base is gonna be to assassinate the ship's commander. And the moment happens, we go outside and we pull the ship out of the ground. That's actually a really awesome session idea, <laughs> all to make sure you don't have an opposed discipline check. 
Now, the thing is, that droid had better go on, like, a, a hunt to assassinate the entire senior staff, because just <laughs> taking out the captain doesn't mean that, like, the first officer isn't going to step up and uh, and take command, or the chief engineer, or someone like that. So, basically, you'll make the check easier, but, you know, there, there's always going to be someone who's going to assume command. Yes. Uh, there, the, mil- militaries have a command structure structure for a reason. Yes. Um. It, it it cracks me up. I've been um, I've been listening to uh, you know, one of the other podcasts I really enjoy, and they only release an episode like every four months, and the episodes are like four to five hours long. Is a uh, hardcore history with Dan Carlin. Okay, you will get the some of the best campaign ideas in your life from from this because he he's a big military history guy. So like he just finished a five part series on the kings of Persia, right? And Dude. and it it ended with. The rise of Alexander the Great and his destruction of the, the last king of Persia and all those battles and stuff like that. He did like a five part series on the great Khans, okay, and going into all their battles and stuff. And there's this pattern that happens with these ancient armies, especially where you have the ruler who is also on the battlefield. You take out the officer and the army will melt, okay? If you take out the, the, the guy, the army will usually melt. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you have a squad or a group that's off by themselves and you take out their officer, they will freak out, run away and melt. Like historically, that is always what happened. That's why you went after the officers. Right. Um, modern militaries <laughs> realized this was a problem a long time ago. Therefore, there is a command structure in place. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's like you say, it's not going to solve the problem, but at the worst, at least it'll make an easier check, right? Damn right. You're talking about a guy who's probably got, you know, charisma three or four and easily three or four ranks in leadership. And you take him out, all of a sudden his his plucky first officer steps up and he might have a charisma, a a presence of three and only two ranks of leadership. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, that's how you can do some really uh, unleashed stuff with your move power. There you go. And, uh, you know, just to, to kind of bring this all to a close, with basic move, you can do some pretty handy and neat tricks, able to move items around without touching them, and to do anything really impressive, you're going to need some upgrades as well as a reliable way to generate the force points you need to power them. You can climb down the move tree to a point where you can do some awesome things for a single force point, you know, doing the whole fine manipulation aspects, ripping weapons out of your opponent's hands reliably. Um, and if you want to do any of the showy telekinetic feats with move, better wait to pick up those upgrades until after you get a force rating of two, at least. Yeah, but this is one of the few powers that you can really be effective with a low force rating if you focus. If yeah. You, if, if you try, if you try and go and cross, oh, I'm going to get a range and I'm going to get a duration and a magnitude, or not duration. Yeah. But if I'm going to if I'm going to get a magnitude and a, and a range and a, a strength and, and a strength, and you you know at that point when you start separating it out like that you're not going to be successful but if nope. you if you at especially at early early um force ratings when you're at a one or a two if you focus on one thing you can accomplish it extremely well so yeah, yeah. all right guys well that brings a close to our very first the force will be with you segment um and i love it we we already have um our first few of these planned out uh, in terms of what powers we're going to cover and do we want to tease them with what our next power is going to be uh i think that we should probably go with the other (laughs) the the power that this was tied for as the most iconic for the jedi 
And I think next time we'll talk about influence. I agree. I agree. But not next episode. Not next episode. As no. we'll come to, we have a very special next episode planned. Um, yeah, right. Um, additionally, because move is a very complex power, we, we spent a lot of time on it. Um, yeah. Uh, this is not going to be the case for all the powers, guys. In, in some cases, this segment may very well uh, function as sort of an after meat segment. Um, mm-hmm. unless, unless we, we, we sketch it out and really go through it and decide that it's meat worthy, um, in which case, yeah. in which case it may be meat, but we want to keep it flowing, keep it as versatile as possible. Um, if you guys like the segments after we're done with influence, if you want to take to the forums or get to the order 66 podcast, uh, Facebook page and let us know what power you'd like us to cover next, uh, with the force will be with you. We will take that under advisement, assuming it fits with what we want to talk about. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> Big thanks to the Gamer Nation who suggested this. This was a lot of fun. Um, and I, blast. I had an absolute blast with this, yeah, and I can't wait to do more. Um, so speaking of Gamer Nation and things posted, <laughs> do, right. should, should we get to some uh, messages from the edge? Let us get on. Let's do it. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Welcome to Messages from the Edge, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about the system. Filbert, how can people get us these questions, I ask? Well, the easiest way is to travel to our forums and post it up. Head over to www.d20radio.com slash forums, register, and head over to the Order 66 podcast boards where you will find a Messages from the Edge thread. You can also email us your questions at uh, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmphil at d20radio.com, and gmdave at uh, d20radio.com. I think he has that back up and running now. He does. Um, you can also, if you're brave enough, leave us the question via the voicemail on the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. And finally, we actually have been getting a few questions through the Facebooks. Yeah, we have. So that's on. That's yet another way to, to get us your questions in, and we'll answer them as quickly as we're able. Yep. Uh, our first question tonight comes in from Darth Squid who asks, my question applies to the Charmer talents Don't Shoot and Just Kidding. Don't Shoot will remain in effect as long as one does not make a combat check, and Just Kidding will allow you to avoid a despair on a social check. Are talents like Inspiring Rhetoric and Field Commander always social checks? Both involve a leadership check, even when used in a combat situation? What's the line between social and combat? Can I cheer for the sidelines and even give orders like a third base coach without violating don't shoot? And while supporting my team, can I wiggle out of an occasional despair? <laughs> um, this is an interesting question. Um, I've got a lot to say on this, but I- I'm interested to get your thoughts, bro. Um, okay. And I do want to clarify the difference between social and combat. But first, I really think we do need to talk about the specific talents in question because the answers to his question are going to be different for each talent. Right. Um, because of how those talents are structured and how they read. So the Charmer, uh, page 26 of Fly Casual, um, their, their don't shoot and just kidding talents, which I love, um, uh, page 33 and 32 of Fly Casual, respectively, are some of the real signature talents for that spec. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about don't shoot. Don't shoot allows the Charmer to, once per session, make a hard three purple charm check 
And if successful, the charmer cannot be targeted by a combat check until the end of the encounter or until he makes a combat check. Right. And this is really the heart of Squid's question about don't shoot. Do talents like Field Commander or Inspiring Rhetoric uh, or Skating Tirade, for that matter, count as a combat check if he were to make them? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get into the the raw versus the ray. The the rules is written versus the R or, or, or versus the RAI or rules is intended. Okay, right. The letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Um, that's why we have judges, and the GM in this case is the judge. So combat checks, squid, are typically made with combat skills, which are defined distinctly in every skills chapter in the core rulebook. They are brawl, gunnery, lightsaber, melee, ranged heavy, and ranged light. But that's the raw, and it's not entirely correct. <laughs> and the reason it's not entirely correct is because a mechanics check to drop a load of crates from a crane to squash a bunch of stormtroopers in the head is damn well a combat check, even if it's not made with a combat skill. Savvy? You have Absolutely. <laughs> you have to look into the intent of Don't Shoot and read a little bit more. If you really take the talent as a whole... The text of the talent makes it clear that this talent is about convincing the bad guys that I'm not with them, <laughs> okay, via, right. via a ruse. And that bottom line means that if you break the ruse, the jig is up <laughs> and you're no longer protected. Making a combat check breaks the ruse, but again, there's other ways you can break the rules too. There's no hard and fast ruling on that. It's entirely situational. Field commander? Hell yeah, I'd have a hard time with that as a GM. How is directing your allies not informing the bad guys that you're with them? Okay. Right. The same goes for inspiring rhetoric. Now, a clever player might be able to use those talents with really good justification. Um, or skating tirade, another great one, maybe by like helpfully encouraging stupid behavior of the bad guys or innocently calling out their flaws. Okay. But but the point being, it's it's it just, and I, I might allow that maybe at an increased difficulty, okay. But it's it's it, the point. The point is, it's situational. There's not right. gonna, there's not going to be a hard and fast ruling. You have to ask yourself: Is the charmer doing something that will break his ruse? That will get the bad guys to like, wait a minute. You, you are, are with them. you are with them. And if if that's the question, he's done. Okay. Yeah. Now, what about the just kidding talent? Because this is. This is a very different situation. Yeah, it is. Um, so, just kidding, uh, lets you spend uh, one round as an out of turn incidental to let you or one of your allies in short range spend a destiny point to convert a roll to despair into a mere failure on a social skill check. Now, social skill checks are clearly defined in the rules on a sidebar on page 117 of Force and Destiny, since we have it close to us due to this particular episode. Uh, but it's in skill chapters for each of the core rulebooks as well. Okay, so those are coercion, charm, deception, leadership, or negotiation. The talent doesn't specify combat versus social encounters. It actually specifies the precise checks it applies to. So, hell yeah, it works in combat as long as it applies to the appropriate check. Word. And considering a destiny point is required to activate the damn thing, as a GM, I would be too stingy on how a player can activate it. Uh, <laughs> amen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's... I, I agree with you completely, and that's that's kind of where we sit. And those two talents really kind of operate differently, but you really have to look at the intent. Um, social... In the case of uh, I'm not with them? In the case of I'm not with them. 
Um, and really, you just have to look at the precise... Oh, don't shoot. I'm sorry. Don't or shoot. Or don't shoot, uh, in the case of don't shoot. And then for, for just kidding, it's really a case of what skill check they're using. I mean, yeah. it, it's pretty straight up. Um, yep. You know, there's a lot of... People take... In talking about social versus combat encounters, it's not as sharp a line as you think it is. And... This is the reason that we have social encounter rules and things like that, where it's like, okay, if you're in a social encounter, you know, and you're losing, you should suffer strain damage, right? Yeah. The reason this is important is because a social skill encounter in a, skill encounter in a heartbeat can become a combat encounter. It's right. not. It's not like you recover that strain. <laughs> no. Okay. And so you start already seriously winded and exhausted as it goes. This is why we don't have a separate social strain or something like that, because yeah. it, it allows the encounters to be fluid. If I'm in a heated firefight, and then I'm halfway down on my strain, and then all of a sudden the party charmer comes in and makes an amazing check with a couple triumph and manages to convince them to stop shooting, and this turns into a negotiative skill encounter, or a social encounter, I'm winded. Or that diplomat uses that signature ability that to do the same thing. Has, do the exact same thing. All of a sudden, we're talking, but I'm still winded. I'm grazed on the shoulder. I'm at half my strain threshold. I'm not going to be as effective as if I went into that social encounter, what is now a social encounter, fresh. So there's no sharp dividing line between the two, and that's why they kind of operate in the same sphere. And if you really get into the intent of most of these talents that apply to social situations, you really need to look at the situationality of it. You need to look at the the spirit of the talent and the rules. Um, and then others where people think they apply to social or combat, if you really dig into the text, it applies to a check, not an encounter. And that's really yeah. kind of where we see the dichotomy here between those two talents and really where it applies. So yeah. that's 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 that was a long question with a very long answer, and I hopefully it will help. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will, and I also think you nail hit it right right in the head. Uh, don't shoot is totally about convincing the the opponent that you're not actually with them and you're not part of this encounter. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you do something to threaten that, you're, you're, you, it, it's, it falls away. You're toast. Now, that's not to say you can't surreptitiously go around and maybe slice a terminal or shut a door. You know what I mean? But at that point... Or even use leadership uh, field commander if you've got a way of secretly communicating with your players. Yeah, I mean, du- I mean comlink, ducking behind a crate so you're speaking quietly. Maybe you're making a stealth check, you know, to, to do so beforehand. Or, but, but And the GM could totally increase the difficulty or add setback dice to and have some threat be spent on, hey, that dude saw you. Yeah, that dude saw you. Hey, hey, I thought you weren't with them. I mean, that's yeah, that's a great despair result or multiple threat result right there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah, man, but it, it's just, it's situational. Nice. So moving on to question number two from Court Gastor. Okay. Has a next question. Is the basic talent a prerequisite to use the improved talent? And is that the same for the improved talent being a prerequisite to use the supreme talent? Let's look at the driver spec. I assume you can take improved full throttle before full throttle, but you won't benefit from it because you don't have the ability to take the full throttle action, just as a droid taking force talents doesn't gain any benefit from them. But if you have full throttle... Could you take Supreme Full Throttle and benefit from that? What about the Armorer spec? The improved version of Armor Master does not require having basic version of it, and the Supreme requires neither basic or improved. So you reap the benefits without taking the basic or improved talent? I can't find anything in the books that speak of needing to take basic, then improved, then Supreme. I know there is an Order 66 podcast in which Sam speaks to this, but it was early on in the system, and I was hoping for a rules-as-intended clarification. 
each core book has a section on talents, and it seems to elude to that basic, improved, and then superior is the way to do things. An improved version of talent completely replaces and upgrades a lower version, yada, yada, yada. But supreme before improved isn't made clear. Hmm. Um, interesting, interesting question with a very simple answer. Um, the devs have clarified rules as written and rules as intended, sir, um, as you point out on this very show, that you cannot benefit from an improved version of the talent unless you have the basic version of the talent, period. Right. Um, and since those talent descriptions almost always describe using the base talent anyway, like in a different or improved fashion, that kind of makes sense. Mm. Um, so that's your answer. But do you need to take improved before supreme? Interestingly, from what we can tell, no. Yeah. Um, there's been zero official ruling on it. And the RAI, rules as intended, answer is to, wait for it, use your best judgment and your GM's ruling. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, in, in, the, ca- in, in, in the case of, of like, uh, of, of armor spec, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to take improved first because Supreme provides a completely different effect. You know what I mean? Right. It's almost like two different control upgrades for a force power. Sure. Um, um, you know, uh, you know. But then again, if it doesn't make sense to have Supreme before improved, then that's how it should be. I mean, I mean, in, in cases where Supreme especially just improves the improved version. Um, yeah. But again, in cases where it provides a wholly new effect, I, mean, I have no problem with skipping improved. But you know, the rules don't say you have to for going from go, have improved before uh, a supreme. So at least rules is written; you don't have to. And rules is intended. I think it's situational. I think you got to use your best judgment. Sounds fair by me. So our last question tonight comes in via email from Karen Wright, who says, "Hello, Order sixty six. Hello." Hello. My older brother is running a Force and Destiny game, and I'm loving my Sentinel Xi'an expert. That's awesome. That's the same build as my stepson. Awesome. Cunning Jedi for the win. <laughs> but we had a situation come up last game where I was critted and hit with a head ringer, increasing the difficulty of all my cunning checks for the encounter. This made me a sad sucks. puppy. Sucks. <laughs> as my Xi'an technique suddenly became a big burden. My question is, do I have to use the technique if I don't want to? My brawn is only one lower than my cunning, so it would have been nice to have just used that. Help me, Order 66. You're my only hope. I never listen. Hidden Ray. Well, um, Hidden Ray, or Karen, as you prefer, uh, there is another simple answer to... I, I hate that. Whenever I get like an email and they've got their handle uh, at the end of the email, but like when I look at the email, the email server translates their actual name you know, in the address. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. sorry, Karen, if I outed your name. Um... Uh, there is a simple answer to your question, and the, the simple answer is you've got the right of it. Uh, the the Xi'an Technique Talent, page 151, Force and Destiny Core Rulebook, um, has the answer right within it. When making a lightsaber check, the character may use Cunning instead of Brawn. And it's the same wording with the other lightsaber characteristic replacement talents, like a Taro Technique or Makashi Technique. The operative keyword here, Karen, is may. <laughs> the character may use Cunning instead of Brawn. And this means that, as with most talents, you're not required to use it. So in your situation, yeah, you totally could have switched back to Brawn. Um, and this is a rule is also what allows a character to take multiple technique talents, uh, should they decide to, um, and, and then pick which one to use in the moment. So there you go. I mean, what? The only thing I will add on to that is take a look at some specific talents within that tree that say make a lightsaber 
cunning check or make a lightsaber uh, uh, agility check. Uh, there point. are some talents that will require you to use that particular technique to use, uh, like Hawkbat Swoop in the Ataro Tree. You have to make a lightsaber agility combat check. And this is important because it's like you have to, and and that almost that basically that makes the technique a prerequisite for those talents, as it should be. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. Can't, I so can't, if you I somehow yeah. work your way around uh, Hawk, to Hawkbat Swoop, for instance, I don't know if you can, uh, but you can't use it until you have a Taru technique. Exactly, and and you know that's because you can't make a lightsaber agility check. Right. Um. So really, really good point to note. Very good point to note. Yeah. So excellent questions, everyone. Thank you very much. Very excellent. And now. We come to the end of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, dude, you have been a dynamo. I've been working very hard to schedule our very next show, uh, September 18th, yes? Yes. Next show, September 18th, we do a dev dive into Forged in Battle with special guests Max Brook and our old friend Keith Cappell. Aha. Who seems to uh, be contributing to every single book made. Right? <laughs> good, good on him. Threads for listener questions will be up on the D20 Radio forums and the Fantasy Flight Games forums by Monday afternoon, so you'll be able to go there, post up your questions about any th- questions that you have concerning that book. It's very exciting. I will be AWOL for that particular show. I will be, unfortunately, out of the country on business travel, but uh, Phil and Dave will have to kick, you know, we'll have to take up the mantle and, and run that one there, which wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> we'll hold down the fort for you, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you guys help us hold down the fort in the long term. Become a member of the Gamer Nation. Visit us at d20radio.com. Head to the forums. Register. Post your mind. Leave us a liner. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. You can email us, GM Dave, GM Phil, or GM Chris at d20radio.com. Or give us a call, 262-D20-RADIO. It's 262-320-7234. Leave us a voicemail. Give us a question for messages from the edge. Words of encouragement skating tirades or just tell us why you never listen to the order 66 podcast because we want to know and that's about it gamer nation thank you all for listening this is gm chris wishing you peace love and good gaming and this is gm phil may the dice be with you This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC.
I'm envious of your weekend. <laughs> I've had the most chill. I, I, I really have nothing else to say except just just to laugh. It, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm 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 all, all chilled out for your for your weekend. I'm I'm yeah. I'm 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 I, I've had I've had the most laid back Labor Day weekend. It's gonna be like a super laid back day tomorrow too. So I'm just yeah. Yeah, same. My summer's just been absolutely crazy, so it's nice to just have three days where I like the most strenuous thing that I'm going to be doing is like driving to my brother's house and helping him move a rocking chair. You know, <laughs> it's one of those glider chairs, so it's really kind of awkward to move. So, so did a barbecue yesterday, okay, um, for some friends. Um, uh, a, a one of my daughter's Girl Scout girls. Um, oh, sure. Friends, um, their parents, as we've come to find out, are complete and utter geeks, which is awesome. Um, right on. Because geeks go come in so many different stripes, and yeah. the mother is like a hyper Star Wars nerd and fantasy nerd and all that. Um, nice. And they're they're both come from a theater background, theater geeks. But <laughs> ain't no geek like theater geek. Ain't no, ain't no geek like theater geek. Um, but he dad is he's not so much of a star wars i mean he appreciates it but he 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 literally tunes out when we start jabbering about it um but the dude is like he's a music geek and ah. there ain't no geek like a music geek i mean the dude the dude has like 1200 lps in his vinyl collection i mean Damn. concert every week you know it has his own little band on the side and just music 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 so we had a fun weekend but we barbecued um and the thing is, the wife is a vegetarian, so okay. marinated some chicken breasts and grilled that up for everyone else, and then did um, on the grill potato skins. So you know, have a potato, cut it in half, scoop it out a little bit, fill it with cheese and rock salt on the other side, and just grill it. It turns out so great, man, and the skin gets so crispy. Um, nice, dude, it's so good. And then we did some ears of corn. And then the pièce de résistance was bell peppers, um, red and yellow bell peppers, halved and, and cored, so you get all the stuff out, right? And then right. you you hold it like a boat, okay? You know, so you got the you know like the the skin on the bottom and the hollow on top, sure. and then you fill the inside first with garlic, minced garlic, then a healthy dollop of pesto sauce, and then all the way to the top with mozzarella cheese. And put those on the grill. And until you get that nice little char skin on the pepper, you know what I mean? And the cheese melts and mixes with the pesto. And then you you take it off and let it rest for a few minutes. And oh, man. Wow. We had a good, we had a good barbecue. Nice. So, yeah, it was really good. Very, very good. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my weekend. I'm just counting the days until Doctor Strange. That's really all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, we've, we unfortunately we've hit a lull of movies at this point. Oh yeah, the storm will come. Um, oh yes, nice. but it's it's like, like mid October or something. I'm, I'm kind of pissed off because I don't have pop culture to distract me from the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm just like, oh yeah, I got to. <sighs> For love of God, I could use some of that distraction. I know. Um, I know it. Uh, but I got to get uh, Civil War just came out on on the Blu-rays. I've got to go pick that up. Um, there you go. And watch that again because I'm sure there will be a couple hours of bonus footage that will distract me for a couple hours. Mm. <laughs> Supposedly there's some deleted scene where it's like Black Panther fighting Black Widow. Really? That's what I hear. 
Ooh, I would like yeah. to. I, I would. I would like to see this thing you mentioned. <laughs> um, I don't know. What, I mean, are you? Are you? What? What is your opinion of Doctor Strange, man? Are you intrigued? Are you? Oh, I'm. You? I'm definitely intrigued. He's. He's one of those um characters that I never got into as a as a um as a as a comic book as a Marvel comics reader back in the '80s. Um, who was just kind of like out there, off center for me. But you know, I I am aware of him. I am aware of his story. And I've loved everything that the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios was put, putting out, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm expecting some awesome trippy trip between, like, Iron Man and Inception. Yeah, and that's... I don't know how the magic is going to play out on the screen. I hope they... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen... I thought I saw a still of him doing the hand gesture and, like, some of those symbols appearing in front of him, so... No, I mean... I think I they're going to have the effect going on. I mean the concept. Like... Ah, right, right, how it fits in the overall universe. Universe. Like, like, so far, everything they've done has been, you know, look, this is science, okay? Even, even... <laughs> the closest we've gotten is in Jessica Jones. Well, I know it's not magic. Why? Because I don't believe in elves? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, that's it. And speaking of Jessica Jones, yeah, hey, man, what, man? Luke Cage comes out this month, is it? Or is it next 30th, month? 30th, end of the month. End of the month. God, I can't wait for Luke Cage. And then a week before that, we get Rebels. That's right. With frickin' Thrawn. I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. And have you seen the mini trailers for, it's not really a trailer, they're teasers for Iron Fist and then Defenders? Yeah, yeah, I saw the one for Iron Fist. Yeah. And the, the one I haven't seen anything other than like the logo for Defenders. It, that's all it is. It's like it's like a thirty second teaser that's just like a, a rendering of the logo, basically, yeah. where where they're like peeling paper off a wall and you see the Daredevil logo and the just and the you know Alias Investigations logo and that you know and like a piece of Iron Fist font, you know. <laughs> yeah. So do you think? Okay, Iron Fist. Do you think? Do you think they're going to give Danny Rand the dragon tattoo on the chest? I almost think they'd have to. That's like his emblem. It is his emblem. Is the co- I don't know if he'd like you know has going to have it out in the low cut V neck thing that he's got in the cartoon uh, in the uh, in the cartoons and the uh, and comics. the co- comic books. But well, that's the other I thing think too, he's going to have it. Is 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 the, is the suit going to look as stupid as it does in the comics? I, I really oh probably not. I don't know. It's those shoes. I finally narrowed. I can live with the V neck, but it's those <laughs> stupid slipper and the high collar behind it. Like like the V neck with Ming the, the high collar. collar. Yes, yes. Okay, I can live with that. But it's the shoes. It's like you're wearing capri pants with these little slippers. Like these little slipper <laughs> shoes. I just it, that's the one thing. Like if the dude had like just regular spandex that covered his feet or like even some boots. Okay, or maybe those right. those cool martial art foot wrap things. You know, but. No, you don't have that. You have slippers. Slippers. Little silk slippers. Like you wear at a spa. Like you wear at a spa. It's a spa and the iron fist. Oh, and, he, uh, and he prances away in his slippers. <laughs> I <laughs> Prince, Prince, Prince. Ah. Um so yeah, uh there there is there is that. And I'm I'm and uh, yeah, I'm totally excited for Rebels. I I'm I think they'll do it justice. I have no worries. They've proven to me at this point that they can handle something awesome, and they've finally given Filoni the big stick. It's like, okay, fine, you're successful here. Do what you want. <laughs> Dude, I'm curious about those um, what look to be 181st TIE Interceptors we yeah, see in the previews. Yeah, that looks really cool. Uh, I'm like, are we getting Baron Fell too? I doubt it. So do I, unfortunately, but... I doubt it. Um, 
I think they're going to keep the. They they tend to really only introduce one new <laughs> character. One absolutely nerdy thing. One absolutely nerd nerdgasming thing. So what we'll see if 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 the pattern holds true, we'll see an absolutely nerdgasming intro and a Clone Wars reference. Probably. If I mean that's that seems to be the pattern. Hey, look at Ahsoka. Oh look, it's Hondo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's Hondo. All right, that's that's fantastic. Um, we'll we'll see that that will seem to be the pattern. But now that they've given him more creative control and reign, like clearly. I mean, this is just going to become more and more just Clone Wars Part 2. They're going to bring in... I mean, you got Maul in now. You're going to bring in all these unresolved, you know, plots. But I guess that's the thing. I mean, they're bringing in unresolved stuff. Yeah. And I'm all right with that. I'm okay with that, too. I, I don't mind if they bring in unresolved stuff. I, I, yeah, I, think, I think Clone Wars ended early, unfortunately, and um, was very strong when it ended. So... Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, 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 I'm freaking, man, I'm all for it. Uh, we're getting dark troopers. We're getting 181st squadron fighters, or at least bloodstripe fighters, and we're getting wedge. Yeah, it's gonna be a hell of a season. <sighs> wedge. Yeah. Wedge. Wedge. Hi. Wedge Antilles. Glad to meet you. <laughs> I saw a picture of Wedge without his helmet on, and I didn't recognize him. Because <laughs> you need the helmet and the orange glasses. I, I do, man. And there's a, like, like there's a shot of him, like, and it, it occurred to me, it was like, it wasn't until like probably three or four years ago that I was watching Return of the Jedi, and Wedge is in the giant briefing. I'm like, oh, oh that's Wedge, dude. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, that's an awful haircut, dude. You know, uh, it was the eight early eighties. What do you want? What do you, what do you want? You know, and then and then you see him without his helmet, like in the in the yub yub scene at the end, uh, you know. But yep. that's 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 it. Wedge is an Wedge is an underappreciated character. Absolutely is. It's like I, I then some of the comics have gotten it right too. It's like it's like you know who the hell are you? Who the hell am I? What do you? What do you? I I attacked and survived both Death Stars. F you. <laughs> I am the only X-wing pilot with two Death Star silhouettes on the side of my fighter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's awesome. That's absolutely I'll never awesome. forget back when you know back in the late mm. mid to late nineties they were had tours where they would show all three Star Wars. You know, back then it was the marathon, you know, episode four, episode five, episode six, at all these, like, really neat, famous theaters. And they came to uh, one theater up here called the Wang Center. And it was this, you know, classic early, early turn-of-the-century theater with a giant balcony and beautiful art deco all over the place. And everyone's dressed up as Star Wars. Um, uh, uh, Heir of the Empire just came out, so they're handing out like posters that's the cover art for that at the front desk. And nice. It's a good time. And every time a character would come on screen for the first time for that picture, the audience would applaud and clap and cheer. And every time Wedge came on the screen, all like thousand of us are screaming, Wedge! <laughs> <laughs> Episode two, you with me, Wedge? I'm with you, sir. Wedge! <laughs> it was great. He got like the biggest applause of every character. That's awesome. That's the way it should be. Brilliant. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Is Wedge? He's 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 Wedge. He's amazing. He's brilliant. Yes. Um. <laughs> um. God. What else? What else? What else? Um. I got to run a couple interesting games recently. Oh, cool. Um. I ran uh as a favor for Keith Capel. Um. Uh. He's asked several guest GMs to come on. He runs his own Patreon. Yep. Um. And at a certain level, kind of as we do, you can you can pledge to have a monthly game, and yeah. you know it's a guest GM each time and all that. Um, so he had me come on and run Everyone is John. Uh, and uh-huh. we, we had an absolute blast. 
And then earlier in the month for our own Patreon group that pledges to have a monthly game, I got to be their super secret GM this past month. And I ran by request as I gave them some options. I gave, okay, I gave them options. Okay. I said, I said the first one was, was Lady Blackbird. Have you heard of Lady Blackbird? No. It's a free RPG and it's like critically hailed, award winning, amazing, awesome. Um, okay. Think steampunk Firefly. All right. And you're there. Um, huh. But the the rules are unique and wonderful. Um, it, it's a game that requires the use of pregens that are provided for you that already okay. have a strong intertwined story. And the adventure starts off in media res in a specific situation that they have to get themselves out of. And they all have goals and things. To do. It's really, it's incredibly well done. And it's done by, right. uh, done by John Harper, the same guy who did lasers and feelings. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, lady blackbird, absolutely incredible. It's free. Go download it. It's incredible. Um, directly from his website. Uh, the other thing I, I, uh, brought up was, um, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I really want to, I haven't got a chance to run actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf yet, and the rules are very simple. And again, it's free RPG because it's really only exists on Reddit. But right. I, I made some custom character sheets for it that look amazing. I think I'm, I'm more proud of them just about anything I've done. And of course, I gave those to free for any of the members of our Patreon who subscribe to uh, my Twitter, my, my my secret stash Twitter account. Just saying. Um, and so I was very eager to run that, and that's basically like survival horror. You know what I mean? Yeah, <clears throat> and it's hilarious. It's like you know, Shia LaBeouf, like you're just running from Shia LaBeouf, you know, and he's like he drops on all fours, starts chasing you, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, you know, you attack him and he leaps twenty feet up into the rafters and disappears. That kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf, and um, and the third option which they picked was ninety minutes of mayhem, which is another ah. another free RPG. I think I told you about this. Um, I don't know, or I don't, I don't know if I did or if you've heard of it. Okay, but it uh, doesn't ring a bell right now. It's a very simple system, but it, it's it's a system designed. It's a, another free one page RPG designed to allow you to replicate the really awful eighties action movies we all grew up with. Ah, uh, like, yeah, okay, yep, I yeah, you did tell me about this. Yeah, it's like like American Ninja, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, hard target, you know, th- things like that, and uh, they had an absolute blast with it. Um, and, and, uh, it's just, yeah, they had, we, we just had so much, we had so much fun and you work with the players to help develop the plot and the pacing of the story as you go, because, because you're not playing the character, you're playing the actor who's playing the character. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so you have some creative input on the script. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and the GM is basically the director and it ended up, the game ended up being, it was. Uh, they were all through happenstance, happened to be at or near an energy summit at the UN building in New York, okay, <laughs> <clears throat> that was attacked by radioactive Russian clones, all played by Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> and, and it like, <clears throat> it, it was great. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Asa Katan's in chat, and he was he was one of the players, and his character was Brick Manly, okay, <laughs> <laughs> like 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 former former uh, a coal miner turned multi billionaire, you know that, kind of <laughs> and it was it was epic, and <clears throat> the adventure took them 
from the UN building to a secret uh, uh, manly research facility in like Arizona to Russia to Chernobyl. And they ended up basically defeating this army of radioactive clone Superman uh, Cold War project by oh, causing the meltdown at Chernobyl. <laughs> and it was it was greatness, man. We had an absolute blast. It was the last for nonstop. So I highly, highly recommend 90 Minutes of Mayhem um, for anyone. So nice. Yeah, yeah. So there's some interesting gaming I'll get then recently. So you bet you, man. You started some new games or new campaigns or stuff's coming up for you? Um, no, I'm I'm kind of moving towards the climax <clears throat> of another long shot. So we're we're I, I had a mental block and I wasn't sure what to do in a few aspects. But uh, la- most recent session of that, actually, most two last two recent sessions of that went really well, and it's really sort of spiraled into okay, let's resolve this thing. And it's setting up for this huge climax, and it, it's it's looking real good. Um, but one of my buddies is going to be starting up his Star Wars game towards the end of the month, actually on the same day that uh, Rebels comes back. So that that could be fun. Play the game and then finish off with it by watching the Rebels episode. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Getting to play my Twilight Marshall, uh, who was a uh, who was a Padawan during Order 66, like a ten year old. And who got out of the temple and went to the outer rim and became a marshal because the Jedi Order instilled such a sense of like you know right and wrong and justice in him. Right. And then the Empire came and and wiped out his his uh his, the town that he was a marshal of. And he's like, all right, screw this. We're gonna take out the Empire now. Awesome. That's twice you bastards have ruined my life. So I'm coming after you. <laughs> Uh, but lately, what I've done is I found this website because I'm I'm I've got I've had this idea for Campaign World kicking around in my head for the past couple of years now, and I've wanted to finally get it down and put it on paper and and actually make something of it. But I had a little bit of a mental mental stumbling block for kind of where to begin with it all, and I found this website where this woman wrote a a sort of a series of exercises ostensibly for helping to write a novel during uh, November novel writing month, the NaNoWeMo. But it's also applicable, and she even comes out and says it's also very applicable to folks wanting to basically write a campaign world for a role-playing game. So it's 30 days of world-building, and you kind of do one 15-minute exercise each day. And I've been chronicling it on my old blog that I haven't really touched since April, uh, the Fragments from the Rim blog. And I'm on day f- today was day four, which was cataclysms, um, which were you kind of like pick some large landmasses, some big like some like Grand Canyon style things, or or the Alps, or the Himalayas, or or the Marianas Trench, and then kind of come up with ways that that could have formed both naturally and perhaps through some massive cataclysm of like you know magical origin or or hard science origin and, and stuff like that. It's it's a real neat exercise. I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I'm hoping that with it being 30 days long, but each exercise only taking 15 minutes, I'm gonna be able to, you know, put some effort into this and and actually stick with it for 30 days, and at the end of it have have a solid outline, if not a foundation, as to where I want this campaign world to go. Dude, can I uh, turn you into another resource? Absolutely. Um, do you read Triple Crit? No, no, what's that? That is Katrina Ostrander's blog. Oh! <clears throat> that woman is one of the most creative and talented writing minds in this industry. 
Yes. I, I am I am telling you. And she's she's obviously coming into her own in FFG and, and doing more and more and more, but yeah. that blog is some of the best stuff I have ever read in my career for writing, role playing, and game mastering. I mean triple crit, a blog for writers, role players, and game masters. Dude, I mean and like 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 her like, you know, <clears throat> you know, like uh building tension in a campaign, how to structure your acts properly, you know, how to deal with, with appropriate tension, how to create subplots correctly. I mean, tips, I'm, I'm like going through tips for writing social drama into your RPG campaign. Like, like it is concrete, hardcore advice. Right. And I am, I, I am, I am, a, I am, I am a daily reader. I mean, anytime, anytime she posts something up, I, I get alerted and I, cannot wait it is it is some of the best stuff out there on the web and so i i just and and we're talking this is yo this is this is one of our peeps yo this this is Kat, oh, yeah. this is cat ostrander ffg's cat ostrander and this is her blog and it is called triple crit it's triple crit.com absolutely amazing oh neat i'm looking at it right now she's got 30 days of game mastering yep <laughs> i'm gonna have to look at that next dude uh, i there i mean it's it, it, the blog is so good is so good and she's she's a superb writer and, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's great tips. And even for experienced GMs like you and I, you know, I just reading this stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> and in some cases it's codifying a lot of things that we kind of have learned to do instinctually. Yeah. But when you codify it, all of a sudden it becomes a plan and you can plan it out and make sure you don't forget it and lose it. And then there's some stuff she posts. I'm like, my God, I've never thought of that. That's freaking brilliant. And yeah, I, wholeheartedly recommend it so and and you know it, it, that actually reminds me of something you know we we're good game masters we're solid game masters we 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 do this podcast for god's sakes and people come to us with questions on how to run this and how to run that but like anything else we always have things to learn we ha we have things to remember we there's new things new tips new tricks i will never come to a point where i can't benefit from a game mastering lesson or thinking about something a different way. I know guys that feel that way and they're asses. So yeah, and that that's the thing. You get arrogant enough to believe that you have nothing else to learn. And, and that's, and that's how you get stagnant. That, that's how you become a neck bearded weirdo walking away from a, a table at Jetcon. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, no, it, it's a really good resource, man. Well, dude, so are you going to, this world you're building, are you going to run it with your existing group after this current game is done? Is that the plan? Or are you going to play for a while? Or, I mean, well, obviously, you're, obviously you're starting this new game where you're playing, but. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm going to have that game going on. Um, probably going to bring another long shot to a close sometime in 2017, probably early 2017 is the way it's shaping up. Uh, and then the, the thing is with this, I've, I've made worlds before. Anyone out there who's, who's who's played D&D &D or anything like that, you've, you've probably made your own world. Be it for D&D &D or for Pathfinder or something else. Some other game system, uh, not Pathfinder, uh, Savage Worlds, you've probably... It's, it's kind of like one of those marks of, of being a GM, is trying to make your own campaign world. Of course. So I've done this thing before, so I know that there's a lot of pre prelude that you need to set up for. So I'm planning on possibly running this. It, it's, I'm calling the project Trin uh, Trinary. Okay. Project Trinary is probably going to go down maybe around this time next year. Is this fantasy or is it uh, what's what's the what's the what's the setting? Sci-fi. Cool. Sci-fi with fan, uh, sci-fi with magic. 
what system are you going to use? Do you, I don't know yet. Don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'm <clears throat> I'm eyeballing Savage Worlds, but part of me also kind of wants to make this system agnostic, so I can kind of share it out there with folks, and they can use whatever system they want. I mean, part of me is looking at this, going, you know, I could use freaking Star Wars for this. There's some interesting stuff, um, and there's uh, Fate, another another easily adaptable system. Um, yeah, uh, honestly, Fate isn't crunchy enough for me. Yeah. I've played Fate. Played the only reason I'm kind of sticking with the Fate game that I'm in is because it's it's Dresden Files, and I'm really enjoying the characters. And I'm really it's it's Brett and Kimber, my two buddies who See, came down with us that, that, that first year. That's hilarious. Agency. That's hilarious because Dresden is the crunchiest of the Fate settings ever. I know, and I'm still going. Yeah, it's not crunchy. <clears throat> That's, that's but you're right. There's a lot. I mean, there there's part of me that's panging back to the days of D20. You know, but who knows? I I haven't I haven't decided yet. I haven't decided yet. But I know I'm gonna have to because it's gonna kind of influence how I write the game. Yeah, Savage Worlds works very easy and it's very crunchy if you want that. Um, uh, IS Destroyer in chat says it reminds you. St- remember, Starfinder comes out next year too. Yep, Star. That's why. That's why kind of D20 is also on my radar. Yeah. Because I did see that Starfinder's coming out, so I'm, yeah, it's a it's a possibility. Let me, I mean, and can I can I really throw something odd at you? Okay. Use Saga Edition. Huh. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't thought of that, have you? Huh. Strip off the label Force, replace it with Magic, and you're pretty much good to go, man. Force powers become spells, and all until the- level eleven. <laughs> until I mean. Well, you use the adjusted rules where skill focus doesn't give you a flat plus five, but it varies depending on your level. Okay, yeah, and yeah. and you're go- you're golden. That's a possibility. I'm just saying, you've got the books. You damn right, I got the books. <laughs> you 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 know how to run the system well, and if you're, I I still maintain that it remains my favorite D20 system of all time. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely, I, it's that's a I don't know. Just don't don't forget that it's there. Just, yeah, that's a good point. Though. I'm I'm just throwing that your way. Well, I was gonna see. <clears throat> I wanna I wanna start a new game. Yeah. Um, and I want you to be in it. Oh, I'm down. I mean, like I wanna because there's a handful of people that I just can't get to my house to play. Um, just because I've got I've got a weekly game with like with with Brev and Hudson and, and good friends, you know what I mean? Sure, but sure. I, I want to throw together something like biweekly on like a Friday or Saturday night um so that everyone can do it with guys like you, Dom, uh Cat, um uh you know, pro- probably my wife Bradshaw. I could be down with that, man. I mean, I just want to I want to I want to run some Star Wars for you guys that I don't get to run Star Wars for ever. And I don't want to run it forever, but you know maybe half a dozen sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you be willing to commit the time and you're down, I, I'd love to to run a new game for you guys. That I'd I'd absolutely be down for that. Absolutely be down for that. Swizzle. Um. <clears throat> very very cool. Very cool. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's that's what's going on. It's life. It's life. It's it's what it is. It's it's, it it's is. the end of the summer. We're getting into fall. It's uh it's a, it's a time of transition, and it's it's a fun point. I am uh, I am greatly looking forward to it. So, Woot. let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. 
Uh, I think that's good. Anything I think else? It's a good show. Yeah, I think it's a good show. I think it's a good show. Oh, all right. Well, good night, Gamer Nation. And good luck. Good luck.